This is the MLW Radio Network. Welcome to another Tuesday night. It is time for Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freeland, and I am joined by... The Rit. I'll get ready, guys, to enjoy the most fun time you can have with your hands above the table on a Tuesday night. We got so much lined up for you tonight. Got two great interviews that are going to be lined up tonight. We're going to have Ring of Honor star Eli Isom is going to be joining us. That's going to be a great conversation. And who else is joining us tonight? We have a former NXT talent, Ms. Alyssa Marino. I keep wanting to say I'm Alyssa Milano. You keep, you, you keep saying this Alyssa Milano thing all night tonight. We don't have Alyssa Milano. So you're going to say that, and all of a sudden everybody's going to be like, Alyssa Milano is going to be on this wrestling podcast. No, we have somebody better than Alyssa Milano. She is a uh, former NXT ring announcer. She's going to be joining us as well. So, so many things are going on tonight. Huge, huge show. Not to mention, we're going to have our panel coming up later on the program. We're going to be talking about the WWE cuts. We're also going to be talking about Ring of Honor. We're going to be talking about so many other things. We also want your feedback and comments. Once again, jump into the chat. Let us know. We'll be more than happy to share your comments and answer your questions. Wow. Let me say something really quick before we get started. Do you drink sparkling water? No. You're not a sparkling water guy? No. It's got it's got to be pure H2O or Propel. What? Or Propel. Propel? Pro- propel. All right. Whatever. Your Propel, it's my Propel. Um, so anyway, my wife was telling me, she says, you like the... The sparkling water. And I said, yeah. She said, well, you know what we can do? We can actually go uh, and get cans of it. So I don't know how many of you drink the sparkling water. So I, I started drinking the sparkling water instead of soft drinks because it's it's got not much in it. Here's what makes no fucking sense to me at all. If we can get a good shot of the camera here. Look at this. Calories, none. Okay, zero. But then look at this one right here. Per container, 10. Now, kids, I never graduated very high on my list of high school graduation. There was like 687. I was 686. Um, I don't understand this. I can't be the only person who's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But you know what? Well, it's just one of those things. It's what I call a bugaboo. It just bothers me. It gets up my crawl. ECW fan, we will be talking about that. Uh yeah, I, I got a I got a huge update from last week. But let's get to our guest. 
Let's get to our guest right now. Joining us right now, Ring of Honor star, somebody who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, has wrestled all over the country, has had some matches with some of the biggest names in the industry. We're going to be finding out exactly what got him into the industry, uh, his views and his opinions on the state of wrestling as it is right now. Eli Isom, come on in, buddy. It's good to see you, and it's great to have you on the program with us tonight. We're being attacked by wasps. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on one second. Let's see if we can try this. <laughs> I know. Hold on a second. Let me try it again. Eli, do you hear that? You hear me fine, right? Okay, right now it seems like Eli, <laughs> Eli either <laughs> has like a weed whacker going on in his room, or he's about to die from anaphylactic shock from bees stinging him. It is the loudest noise. Let's try it again. There, wait. Hold on. Now it's just Darth Vader. Hold on. Eli, can you hear me? We cannot hear you. We cannot hear you. Are you muted? No. I don't know if your microphone's working or not. Is this Eli or Jerry Lynn? Who am I talking to right now? What? what? <laughs> this guy's ribbing us right now. He's like, I have to take this crappy podcast booking, but I really want to get out of it. So, uh, well, we had some hey, technical difficulties hey. earlier. No, we had didn't. You and I did oh, with yeah. each other. You couldn't hear me. All right, let's try it again. No skis on that one. Nope. Oh, man. This is... And here All right. Hey, take your time. Do do what you need to do. ECW fan says, it would not be FRM without technical difficulties. You know, you know that should be our slogan. We're just going to put him back in the gorilla position, and I think he's going to try to go ahead and, and uh, reconnect. Uh, I, we are a mess. We are a hot mess. I think that's going to be the new slogan. That should be the next t-shirt. Should be. Front row material. It's just a hot mess. No. Front row material. We have technical and then just stop. Don't even print the rest of the shirt. There you go. Yeah. But as we're as we're waiting for him to come back on, what, what what is going on with you? Look at this. The Ritster is wearing the brand new designed front row material shirt. It's got Mikey Jerry, but it's also got the written Freeland on it. I'm sporting the original throwback, the original crinkly iron on, which I'm very proud of. We're in the original one. So I, I was going to wear the original one. I what's, still have it. What stopped you? This, this just looks too sexy. It does. It's a good looking shirt. It's very comfortable. Rick, how can people get their own very authentic, awesome front room material shirt that you're wearing right there. Hey, hit us up in the DMs. I will sit there and send it to you. I can get it to Canada in a week where it takes everybody else six months. Those I, those are butts words, not mine. You know what? I love you. I, I mean, literally, whenever I throw it to you, it's like, hey, let me let me tell you something right here. You're gonna people are gonna be sliding into your DMs, right? Asking you how do I get that really cool shirt, Rit? Hey, Freeland, <laughs> don't take my word for it. Don't take my word. Take Liam Savage. Tried I tried on, on the new the, shirt. Yes, for the oh, first wait, wait. time today, 
feels amazing. Right, read that. Read that last two words. Feels amazing. Damn, amazing. Oh man, fabric is so do, soft. Do you want to know what didn't feel amazing, Freeland? What didn't feel amazing? The feel of the freaking ant's chair that you had to sleep on for the past week. Well, first of all, let's talk about that for a second. My wife realized that you were the one that was behind the whole, hey, the fart in the can bit went real well. Maybe because she's sick, she's on antibiotics, and she went to bed early. But it was you who decided, nah, don't worry about it. She's a faker. How about you take the camera in the room? I got, I got kicked. You probably didn't catch it on camera. I got kicked, not in the uh, the nutsies, right? Right above the nutsies, okay? And I almost threw up on her. Like I had to hold it in. I would have yacked forty two cookies all over her. Speaking of holding it in, let's let's bring it back to Jerry Lynn. There we go. Let's get him here. J Jerry, are you there? Eli, are you there, buddy? Oh my goodness! Cannot hear. It's your microphone. It has to be. So on your computer, there should there might be a little setting that has your microphone. I do this with Jerry Lynn. He doesn't. Uh... So don't feel bad, Eli. Don't feel bad. Superstar Jerry Lynn has no clue whatsoever. I have an idea. Oh, great. Well, kind of. Hold on. Can, can the audience hear Eli? I hear some, I hear some noise. ECW's band says this is a silent interview. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, there we go. Can Whoa, you we can yes. hear you now. Yes. Good? We can, absolutely. Wow. There we go. Do you remember that Verizon commercial, you guys? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I wish. Uh, I didn't hear you, Freeland. Mm. And just to think, I was about to send you a Hanukkah gift. No, not anymore. Uh, we're here with Eli Isom with Ring of Honor. Eli, it is a pleasure to get a chance to finally sit down and talk with you. How's life treating you? It's good. Yeah, all things considered, life is good. Sorry it took so long to get this uh, figured out. <laughs> you are fine. We've been doing the podcast, uh, having Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck jump in from time to time, and they still can't figure it out. So <laughs> don't feel bad. Well, if um, I ever get compared, you know, anytime I get compared to Jerry Lynn, I think that's pretty good. You know, for <laughs> I tell you what, for an old man who's got two screwed up hips and he uh, he's he's still a legend in so many people's eyes and uh, he's a good dude. So you're in good company. Um, let's kind of talk about this kind of right off the bat here. It's the, the big pink elephant in the room here. So the Ring of Honor situation, it is kind of a it's a bummer for I mean, it's got to be a bummer for for the wrestlers. But for us who Jones for this stuff. It's just like it's been stripped away. I mean, was this something that you guys had some type of idea may happen, or was it just one of those very impromptu, hey, we got to call a meeting, and this is what's going to happen? Yeah, um, it was very out of left field. 
it, it just uh, it came as a big shock to me and a lot of people that I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, every, we thought that we were gaining ground. We thought that we had a lot of good things going for us. And then we had a meeting uh, about two weeks ago. And then that's when they told us that they were going to you know, cease operations until next April. So, yeah, it really caught a lot of us off guard. And uh, now it's it's crazy with all this, you know, the WWE releases and now with, you know, Ring of Honor, you know, taking some time off. There's a lot of uh, a lot of great wrestlers out there working, looking for work. So now just for me, that makes me want to you know, turn my game up even more. You know, it's it's interesting because, you know, we just come off of the pandemic or we're still kind of somewhat still dealing with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people are, were so pumped up because now all their favorite TV shows are coming back. And now to have that kind of a blow, I mean, as far as uh, as a wrestler goes, you got to feel like, OK, now we're, we're starting to get back on our feet again. And then you're dealt with another crushing, a crushing hit. Um, have you had a chance to talk to any other Ring of Honor uh, people that you've worked with and, and what their sentiments are is is morale seems still to be pretty positive that things will will come back or is it still kind of hit and miss and wait and see? Yeah, so we had our uh, our last scheduled TV tapings uh, last last week through uh, November first and November third, and you know it was it was a sad it was sad it was a lot of people were emotional including myself just because you know everybody worked so hard this year to you know, build Ring of Honor up after 2019. And yeah, it was very, it was very sad, but it was very, um, it, people were hopeful. I'll say that for sure. People were hopeful. Everyone knows that, you know, this isn't the end for them as wrestlers or, and, you know, we think that Ring of Honor will come back in some capacity for sure, but uh, I don't think it'll be the same, which is, um, it's unfortunate, but uh, I know that ROH is going to be, it's going to be there in some capacity, which is awesome because Ring of Honor to me is the most influential wrestling company in the past 20 years, I would say, you know, just the names that have come through there and matches that have happened. So Ring of Honor will always have its legacy and it will always, you know, be here in, in some way or form. But yeah, definitely sad. A lot of people had a lot of good things to say about everybody. You know, everybody was uplifting themselves. So excited for the future, but it does suck. For sure. Now, at least you guys have the ability um, to go ahead and even during Ring of Honor time, do you guys still have opportunities to fill your schedules up with dates, working with other promotions as well? Mm. Yeah, uh, certain people's contracts were, uh, you know, they couldn't work for certain independent shows and stuff like that. But uh, now with the news that are broke, they're allowing everybody to work whatever they want, wherever they want which is nice of them, you know, to let us have that type of freedom. They've always given us freedom. So it's nice that they're continuing to do that. But yeah, everyone's just trying to fill up their dates, you know, trying to get out there, trying to, you know, make the most of this uh, crap situation, I guess you could say. When it comes to the world of wrestling where it is right now, there's so many places for people to work now. And I was talking to a couple different wrestlers and they said, you know, the beauty of being on the independence is that you can make your schedule. You can determine where you're going to work, how long you're going to work for, what parts of the country you want to work at. And I think that definitely lends itself to allow wrestlers to either hone their skills if they want to go to a certain part of the country, work a different type of style, um, maybe work on some different types of promos and storylines. 
we're big affiliates of PPW, which is obviously in Pennsylvania, which is a very, very well-established uh, promotion. And also AAW, which is up in Chicago, Danny Daniels and Trent Saberi run that promotion as well. So now that you've got some some time on your hands to do some different things, is there any areas in the country that you may be thinking about maybe making an appearance at? Yeah, um, I'm definitely looking to get out more in the Midwest for sure, because I'm from Indiana, Northwest Indiana. So really close to Chicago, my hometown is. So yeah, I really want to get out in the Midwest more because um, I was looking at all my matches. I write all my matches down. And it's like 90% of my matches are Ring of Honor matches. I haven't really worked the independence because I really didn't have to. You know, I had all, all these great wrestlers in Ring of Honor. That's that's why, you know, I'm the type of wrestler I am today is because I had such great wrestlers helping me and, you know, helping me improve. But now it's kind of a weird thing because I got to – it's like I'm working in reverse. Now I have to go out <laughs> to the indies now after I – was in Ring of Honor. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited to get out there. Definitely want to work the Midwest more. And I definitely want to try uh, to work some East Coast shows because I live out in Bristol, Pennsylvania. So trying to get those two, like, homes <laughs> to get trying to get those territories and get my name out there. Well, I think a good thing with this is being a Ring of Honor superstar, you can definitely get the Munsky, uh, get the money out there and, and be like, hey, we're bringing in a big star. So I think – that even though it's working in reverse, I think that's definitely going to be beneficial for you as well. Um, the Warrior Wrestling, which is really, really cool. Um, if, if you guys out there watching the show tonight have not seen it before or heard of it before, Warrior Wrestling is huge. And uh, they are up near the uh, Chicagoland area as well. And uh, Rockstar Pro, I'm not sure if you've ever got a chance to work with Rockstar Pro. They're actually in Dayton, Ohio, okay. another great promotion as well. And there's Black Label Pro that's over in Indiana as well. So there's so many different places that people can work and in, in not only get more exposure, but definitely uh, get a paycheck, which is really the most important thing during times like this. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, that's really what's good about this situation. I always try to find, you know, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So, you know, it sucks that Ring of Honor is taking this time off, but I don't feel worried for myself because I know there's so many great promotions out there and I know there's so many great wrestlers out there. So even though I'm not doing it, I guess you could say on a larger scale or a larger size that Ring of Honor was, but still, you know, the fact that I can go wherever I want and I can, you know, wrestle all these great independent wrestlers that are hungry and, you know, they want their shot. No, that's what I want. You know, that's how I've always been. I've always been hungry. And I've always wanted to prove myself. And I think this is the perfect chance to do it. Uh, one thing I, I respected about during the pandemic with Ring of Honor is how they paid all their contracts through the whole pandemic. And now, like, they show the fans they care about you guys because now they know what's going on. They're releasing you guys to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And we get some of these dream matchups. Possibilities are endless. Like, I'm dying personally to see the Briscoes wrestle anywhere else. Because right. that because those guys are them boys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so where where would you would you like to sit there and see uh yourself at get an opportunity? And who would you like to work? Oh, there's, there's so many names. Uh, but yeah, like I really want to 
I've worked for Warriors before, but I really want to work for them again. And, you know, AAW, I want to work for them. I want to try to work for, you know, JCW and GCW and all those, like all those places where it's like, you know, fans are just so passionate. They really bring that energy. You know, when I first started with Ring of Honor, that's the kind of energy that I see in these kind of independent promotions now, which is awesome. But in terms of like people I want to wrestle, I, I would love to wrestle guys like, you know, like Lee Moriarty, guys like uh, Calvin Tankman. Uh, I just saw Hoodfoot on a JCW show. And he was awesome. Nice. <laughs> I would, I would love to, I would love to wrestle him. So uh, AJ Gray, I would love to get in the ring with him. So yeah, there's so, there's so many guys that are out there that I think I could have great matches with. And yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Uh, I think one guy uh, who I just interviewed last week for Future Stars Now, a guy that would mesh well with you. He works in MLW, Mr. Zenshi, the aerial artist. Okay. I think you guys, I think you guys could pull off some great stuff right there. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, come one, come all. I am I'm looking to wrestle as many people as I can, and, and you know wherever I can. Well, well and hey. I'm sorry to cut you off, Freeland, but if you had somebody from AAW right now, what would you pitch them to book you? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm not a booker. I know I'm a wrestler, you know, <laughs> so that's that's a tough question. But uh, Trent, are yeah, you listening? Here we go. <laughs> well, there's a there's one guy. Uh, he used to wrestle. He wrestled in Ring of Honor in the pure division over the pandemic. And that's uh, Fred Yehi. So and I and I never got the chance to wrestle him in Ring of Honor, but man, I would love, I would absolutely love to wrestle Fred because you know he hits hard and he's technical, and uh, that's a side I haven't really shown too much. I'm normally like I'm a quick, fast guy, but yeah, I would love to mix it up with somebody you know hits hard and has that technical ability. Hmm, Fred, yay, hi, Eli, I, I wonder if we could get that to work out. Hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Mr. Trent Saberi from AAW is in our chat room right now, just to let you know. Oh, well, hello. <laughs> hey, you know, that that's what we like to do, Freeland and I. We like to help, we, we like to help out any way I possible. It. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for letting me, you know, shoot my shot here on the podcast. Well, you know, it's so funny because, you know, when we talk about wrestling and you talk about your career, obviously, and it's kind of been kind of the ideal situation, any pro wrestler. I mean, you made it to a major national worldwide company right off the bat. Yeah. You've been highlighted for a very, very long time. Now there's a little pause right now. However, with that being said, you talked about a little bit earlier how you've gotten to work with so many amazing people. Let's talk about some of the people that trained you because you have a very, very nice list of people who were your mentors. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I was trained by uh, world famous CB, formerly known as Cheeseburger, uh, Delirious, Will Ferrara, also Sumi Sakai. She helped train me. So yep. yeah, those does the you know the who's who you know of Ring of Honor names I would say, and uh, a lot of people would think that you know oh maybe Will Ferrara and uh, World Famous CB they wouldn't be such great trainers, but uh, those guys they've helped me out so much throughout my career. Uh, they were always there for me when I was like down or I didn't really have too much confidence. You know they always built me up and they always showed me the right way to do it, like in the ring and out of the ring. And uh, I'll never be able to repay them for what they've done, but I definitely just forever grateful. I mean, just those names right there have been 
very, very influential in the world of wrestling. And I think it's really great when somebody decides to take a step and to be a trainer and to be a mentor for the next group that's coming through because it shows that they are so selfless that they want to help elevate other people. And I think that's what it's all about. You elevate others so you can work with people that are elevated and be, it just makes everybody better. Everybody makes more money. The fans obviously get a, an incredible experience. So tell me a little bit about when we talk about Ring of Honor, what are some of your most man, that was spectacular moments that you've had so far in your career. Well, the one that jumps off right off the bat is when I uh, pinned Christopher Daniels in the Hammerstein ballroom. Yeah. That was, when when I still think about that, it's insane. It's It's just absolutely crazy. Uh, another one would be when I wrestled Shane Taylor in Lowell, Massachusetts for the Ring of Honor Television Championship. That was uh, that's a very special match to me because going in, not a lot of people thought it was going to be anything, you know, anything of anything. They were like, oh, it's just a squash match, all this. But, uh, you know, Shane, he, like you said, uh, he elevated me. You know, he brought me up with him. And uh, that's one of the things I'll miss the most about the ROH locker rooms because everybody was there. Uh, they were very supportive, super supportive, and they were super willing to just don't give me any advice that I would ask. And uh, that's probably one of the things I'll miss the most. But yeah, those two moments I would say would definitely jump out. Definitely MSG. That's definitely another big moment. Um, yeah, I would say those those are probably my top three if I were to just sit, you know, off the top of my head. I mean, walking into WWE's backyard and, and having that Madison Square Garden show and and basically showing the world that I mean, outside of them, you guys are the only ones that went ahead and made it happen. And that is incredibly impressive. And as you said earlier, Ring of Honor has been known for for pumping out some of the biggest names come through Ring of Honor. I mean, Kevin Steen, uh, Seth Rollins has come through there. The aforementioned Jerry Lynn come through there. The Bucks have come through there. Uh, my guy, my guy, the cleaner, uh, Kenny Omega as well. But <laughs> there's so many Roderick Strongs. There's so many different people that have come through that company. And how would you, in your own words, describe the difference between Ring of Honor and any other promotion that you've worked for? If someone were to say, in one sentence, how would you describe the differences? What would you say? Um, the first word that you know, comes to my head when you ask me that question is just passion. You know, uh, Ring of Honor's legacy is all about passion, and it's about hunger, and it's about you know wrestling. Really, like, and, and this isn't a knock on any other promotion out there at all, but when you get in a ring and a ring of honor ring, it's like there's just a different atmosphere. There's a different feel to it. There's just it's intense. It's like it's like you're in an actual fight. It's it's weird. It's crazy, especially since um, the pandemic started and we've been doing these shows without fans. It's very like it's a very intimate. It's a very just intense place to work but that's that's what i love that's that's the kind of wrestling that i love is that just you know that hard nose in your face like unapologetically it's wrestling and i think that's what ring of honor's legacy is going to be that it it was wrestling and it was wrestling done right there's very few promotions that they, they chant the three letters of the promotion and mm -hmm. i remember early on watching Ring of Honor, and I, I kept hearing this banging noise, and I didn't know what was going on or what that was, but that's a Ring of Honor thing. And, you know, the, the, the plastic uh, facades that are around the uh, 
the railings and then obviously the streamers as well. You talked about this earlier about Ring of Honor fans are just they're a fervent group of people. They're they're very passionate. They're smart fans. They know their history. They know the legacy of the company. And those three letters mean so so very much because you know a lot of people who have moved on to do other things have made their way through Ring of Honor, and you have to be incredibly proud to know that you've left your fingerprint so far as of today on Ring of Honor, and it's only up here from from here, and so many things that you're still going to be able to do until April rolls around again. Yeah, um, I'm very, I'm super proud. You know, uh, when I first started in 2017, I did not think that I would have this type of success, especially this early on. And just like the, you've named all the names, you know, the Steens and the Genericos and just the list goes on and on. of like, it's a who's who really. And I said it earlier too, but you know, wrestling would not be wrestling today without ring of honor. Like when you see wrestling on TV, it, ring of honor's fingerprints are all over it. And um, the fact that I got to play just like a little small part in that, that's, it's super special to me. I'll never forget it. And, uh, I'll be forever grateful. I know our, our time here is, is short here. I'm going to throw it over the Ritzter here. He's uh, he's been, he's been wanting to ask it and <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to let him ask it. <laughs> Eli, this is the greatest question. And I have a copyrighted that any podcast will ever ask you. Okay. <laughs> hot, hot tub time machine. You can go back in the time to any match in pro wrestling history. Mm. take somebody out Eli you're going in that match what match is it and why I mean so the first match that comes to my head is Rock Hogan but it's like if I put if I put myself in that it's not going to be the same you know (laughs) but but here's the thing you can't say that you don't know sure sure (laughs) but it's just like yeah for me like growing up and before, like, I got into Ring of Honor, that that was the pro wrestling match. Like, that's that's what we're, that's what pro wrestling was. It's just like the, the spectacle of it all. You know, these two larger than life, you know, characters just going at it. That I would probably say that maybe you know if I could triple threat match, maybe I sneak in here and there, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be the match I would pick. Like I said, I know we're pressed against the clock here, but uh, is there any way we can twist your arm for a part two, maybe a part three, and and just really kind of deep uh, dive deep into your career? And there's so many different matches and moments we want to go over as well. Is there a chance we could get that for you? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I, you know, the technical difficulty on my part didn't help things. So yeah, absolutely, we can do that. So tell everybody where they can find you, uh, follow you, buy your merchandise upcoming matches, all the details. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Let them know. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Eli Isom, but the Isom is spelled E-Y-E-S-U-M. That way nobody you know, mispronounces my name because it's happened a lot. <laughs> it's happened a lot. So, yeah, Twitter and Instagram at Eli Isom. Uh, you can buy my merch at shophonor.com. You can, you know, support ring of honor while it's still around and it's still you know prominent in our tv you can you know watch it on fight tvs every monday at uh, 7 p.m eastern or you can watch it on the ring of honor uh wrestling uh, website and yeah i just want to say thank you guys for letting me come on here and talk a little bit and hopefully i get to talk to you again soon 
Absolutely. And you don't mind if we uh, share your information with some other promotions and have them maybe reach out to you? Oh, please. Yeah, I, I'll take all the help I can get. Absolutely. <laughs> Fred Yehi. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. We might have to make that happen. Eli, it is a pleasure. Thank you so very much. I know it's been a difficult time, but we have no doubt whatsoever that you are going to do incredibly well, not only after this in April, but for many, many years to come. Thank you so much for allocating some time with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks, Eli. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting because you get excited to talk to somebody who you really respect their work and you really want to get hyped up for an interview. But then it's like that big pink elephant in the room, like the ring of honor thing. And it's hard because you don't want to be a Debbie downer about it because like you said before, everybody was super emotional at the last TV tapings. And, you know, just to know, I mean, it took me a couple of days just as a fan, just to digest the fact that ring of honor is, is taking a sabbatical and, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, hopefully things will be back in April, but that's tough. The pandemic was, it was a kick in the gut and now there's another kick in the stomach. And, I guess the biggest thing that you can just tell yourself is we just got to keep pushing forward. I I seen on Twitter and all of a sudden I got, got the, the wheels going. What would the fans do if the last match on the last TV taping they brought back, because they're all available, the first ever main event, Brian Danielson, Christopher Daniels, and low key. Wow. That would be, that would be a big thank you to everybody. That would be cool. That would be really cool. But guys, in, in all seriousness, please support. Uh, please support everybody from Ring of Honor. Buy their merchandise. Hit them up on social media. Let them know that you love them, you appreciate them, and you cannot wait for them to come back in April. And let your local wrestling promotions know. If there's a star that you want to see, let them know. Hey, I'd love to see this guy or this gal come into our territory and, and work as well. Because you know what? Things only happen if you speak up. So we're going to sit yes. there and take a quick commercial break. Quick ski. No, no, it's not your your I'm too sexy video. I'm not. I never, wait a minute. I never said the I'm too sexy was the one we were going with. And I wasn't even making reference to myself. And Because I wouldn't call myself sexy because that would just be, that'd be arrogant. The wife doesn't even call you sexy. We, but this anyways, was, this was going so well, and then it, it, it was. But we're gonna take it right back on track, <sighs> guys. We're gonna play a good personal friend of my video. Take a look. The Love Alive Charity is a nonprofit organization founded by professional wrestler the Pope Elijah Burke, a college graduate and former Jacksonville Sheriff officer who was a native to Jacksonville, Florida. The mission of the Love Alive charity is to give back to the community while aiming to improve the quality of life in Greater Jacksonville. Since 2012, the Love Alive charity has positively influenced many people by feeding the homeless, helping displaced families, and restoring faith in disadvantaged communities through humanitarian efforts. Hello, I'm Elijah Burke. With as little of a donation of $1 or more, you can help make a difference in the lives of others. To donate and to learn more about the Love Alive charity, please visit theelijahexpress.com.
Couldn't agree with uh, Elijah Burke any more than that. I mean, um, we're going to have that scrolling across the ticker, guys. Remember, uh, life can get upside down, as we've learned about in the pandemic. But you know what? It could be you or it could be me or it could be anybody who needs help at some point in time. And you need to realize that. You need to remind yourself. So once again, if you can go to love-alive.org, once again, that is love-alive.org. It should be scrolling below here on the ticker. Donate a dollar. Um, that dollar you would have probably spent or three or four on a latte at Starbucks or the candy bar you were going to get at the gas station. Go ahead and do it because you'll feel better about yourself and remember at any point in time, your life can get thrown upside down. So be there for others because guess what? One day you'll need it too. So exactly. with that being said, with that being said, the show rolls on. Are you going to keep insulting me, by the way, for the rest of the – should I prepare myself? Oh, no, no. Well, there's going to be a lady present, so I, I, I'll keep it clean. I appreciate that. I thank you. Would well, you there's, like a to- there's a lady present now too, but no. Really? You got to dig in after I told you no more digs. Go ahead, no, do no. do the introduction. I wasn't talking about you. Do, I was talking the, about the. Uh huh. I was talking about her and Gorilla. Mm-hmm. Do the introduction because I'm excited about this. Uh our next guest up is I've been try I've been trying not to call her Alyssa Milano for yeah the whole several times all day. Alyssa Milano, not Alyssa Milano. We don't want Alyssa Milano. Get her out of here. She ain't in wrestling. Oh, uh, no, but we got the talented, the lovely Alyssa Marino. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? Oh, there we go. Somebody without Hello. technical difficulties. I, I heard there were some issues. Thank you guys for having me on. No, thank you for, for carving out some time for us and joining us on the show to to talk about your career and your experiences in wrestling because – the more we learn about people, the more we are drawn to them and to find out, you know, what their journey was to get them to where they are. And I feel like this this interview is going to be just as great. Oh, good. I got I caught the end of Eli's and it was really fun. So Eli's a good dude. I tell you what, he has a really, really good dude. And I think he's going to do well. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I really hope you enjoy because uh, this is not your normal podcast. We are a little <laughs> off the off the rocker. It's It's not the same old. Hey, what's your favorite color? Uh, you know, what podcast asked you what's your favorite? Co- Seriously, you get a wrestling star on, and they say that. Uh, I, you know, I think I'm going to start asking people on Let's Get Serial. I'm going to. I it's these are the hard hitting journalistic questions that I think, that I think is, people need to know. You know, this is what the it's audience wants. Green. Just FYI, it's deep and green. <laughs> so, so, so uh, what's your favorite cereal? Okay, so this one I actually this this I, I put a lot of thought into. Um, I'm gonna write a dissertation on it someday. But Golden Grams. So, oh, yes, yes. Okay. I Good forget call. about them sometimes. They are so underrated. So I feel like there there are just a few reasons. Number one, they stay intact the best. They yes. keep their shape. You know, they don't crumble apart. Number two, uh, more bang for my buck. In the bottom of the bag, I don't get all the little like shredded powdery poof. Like, no, they, I, I still have them. And uh, number three, uh, very minimal sogification. I don't like soggy cereal. I want things to stay crispy and fresh as possible. I feel like Golden Grahams do all that. Look at that. Yeah. From a language arts teacher, she's, she's using great vocabulary here. I love it. This makes me happy. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's what I pride myself on. <laughs> well, let, let's kind of jump into this here. I mean, obviously, we're here. We're talking with you, the world of wrestling. Um 
why wrestling? I guess that's kind of my first thing. Like, what is it about pro wrestling to you that got you interested in it enough to really decide, you know what, I want to pursue something, a career in this? I think I've always loved things that were in the creative side of life. Um, I, I used to watch wrestling when I was like five years old, like a very, very little kid. And then I fell off for the longest time. Uh, I think for me, when I rediscovered it, it was just this mixture of being completely enamored by entrances and people's music and just being so moved by the, the creativity and how it made me feel when I saw someone like coming down the ramp uh, to then the interactions and the stories that they were telling physically or with their promos or with the interviews backstage. There were so many elements to it that felt like drama and dance and violence. And I, I loved the culmination of all of them. Uh, so it really, it once I kind of rediscovered that later in life, it was kind of no turning back at that point. So you start watching wrestling. Is there anybody who specifically caught your eye or caught your attention that you said, wow, just the the way they carry themselves, their presentation, all of that? We all had somebody that we just kind of gravitated to. Was there anybody for you that you were kind of drawn to in the beginning? So when I was a child watching it, it was uh, not for a good reason, but the person that really uh, made an impact on me was Paul Bearer. Uh, not the Undertaker. I remember I was like, oh, Undertaker, whatever. Oh, no, but Paul Bearer, he's scary. Like, he he was the person that stood out the most to me in my in my memories of, of watching wrestling at an early age. So Paul Bearer, that's interesting because Paul is definitely, I mean, Percy Pringle had, had worked in the territories uh, for many, many years and then obviously went up to work for for WWE and, and had an illustrious career. Unfortunately, uh, several years ago, he had, had passed away, but he is, uh, he's definitely an icon within the industry itself. When was the first time you actually got a chance to see wrestling live? Would you remember the live event? Was it something in your hometown? Was it something that you had to plan to travel to go to? Uh, what was that like? So as I said, I was a, I was a late bloomer. So I moved to LA in 2016 and that was when i first actually saw a, a wrestling event live it was at a comic book shop and it was in preparation for championship wrestling from hollywood's red carpet rumble uh so it was like a an independent show and i I absolutely I, I loved it i had so much fun and from there was when i started to put together that this was something I wanted to pursue. This is something I wanted to do. I didn't want to just be in the audience. I wanted to be part of what the audience was feeling. So, yeah. But, yeah, it was it was late. It was late in life. But, uh, but yeah, it was at Meltdown Comics. So, you know, you said there was a lot of things about wrestling that, that kind of drew you in. The theatrics, the dance, the pageantry, all of that kind of thing. We use a lot of those type of superlatives whenever we kind of describe wrestling to people. And I feel like it's almost indoctrinated into us that there are certain adjectives that we just use when we describe the the experience that is going to a wrestling event were what were some things that you did uh, early on in your life that was maybe kind of similar to where there could be a crossover with that were you into acting were you into dance as well what kind of things uh did you occupy your time with 
So I, I danced at a very young age and I danced for a while. I danced like ballet, tap, jazz for like nine years. Um, but I always was doing something with my voice. I was always doing something vocally from doing uh, musical theater when I was starting at the age of nine, you know, all through, all through high school. And then um, started taking voice lessons and, and studying classical voice. I want to say I was like 10. Uh, and I actually went to college to pursue a degree in vocal performance. So I, I have my bachelor of music degree in, in vocal performance and classical voice. And, and that was something that I did with every intention of, okay, like I'm going to be an opera singer. I'm going to sing opera. I'm going to travel the world. And you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's what this piece of paper tells me that I can, that I can do. Um, so now to do this, wild roundabout of okay I'm still using my voice just in a different way but uh but yeah definitely I had a lot of creative outlets as a child so you got the voice which is a gift that you know not everybody has it's something that is definitely a, a huge huge commodity for people and um you enjoy singing and then obviously you didn't know that you would be involved in wrestling. So how did we get these two worlds to overlap at some point in time? So w when I had moved to LA and started, you know, kind of getting into watching wrestling a little bit more, um, it was actually for my roommate's birthday. I said, I wanted to get him a one day tryout to go to this local wrestling school. I was like, Oh, I'll go with him. So there's enough to go by himself. AKA I wanted to do it too. Uh, so, so we go through this one day tryout at Santino brothers wrestling Academy in bell gardens. And yeah. Love and, Santino uh, brothers. You and me both. Uh, so, but they put us through hell. It was, <laughs> it was quite a day. And between, you know, running laps and taking bumps, uh, we were, we were hurting and, then we got to the very end and, and we had been you know talking about like oh well, what would my wrestling persona be and what would my character be and i had come up with this idea and at the at the very end of the one day tryout was okay cut a promo we're gonna do promos and i it that was where things felt right that was where it felt like i was supposed to be that felt like it was my my place in in the wrestling world maybe not necessarily taking the bumps and doing the moves and, and calling the matches, but being a voice within, within that world. So I had been working on this character that ended up being a manager, like GM kind of character for the school. And, and that was where I kind of found my fit and then just took different opportunities on, on I more of the broadcast side uh, from there. Well, this, uh, I'm kind of curious. Uh, the first bump, People think it's a tramp. <laughs> People think that's a trampoline. No. So, so what was it like going there for your first bump? Um, my so my first my first I think maybe actually okay. So the first bump I took in training was um, all of the wind went out of me, but I think I had so much <laughs> adrenaline that I just like came right back up and I was like, okay, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, like I'm alive, I'm good. Um, the 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 one I think I took maybe two bumps at at shows and the, se the second one was I I it was the end of my Kathy from HR character and she was getting fired um, by by Jezebel Romo so I got clotheslined uh, in the in this like segment and everyone was watching on the monitors like damn are you okay like you totally whipped your head I'm like 
really? I didn't, I didn't think, are you sure? I watched it back. I'm like, oh yeah, that looked awful. Like that was terrible. But I, and luckily I didn't feel anything because I was just so nervous about that entire situation. So yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun, you know? <laughs> So you start to get your feet wet. Obviously, you you find where your niche is, and I think that's hugely important when it comes to wrestling. Because a lot of times people go a long time before they find their their spot. You know, their exact what they like to do and how they can hone that in. So start doing the GM stuff, start doing the managing mm-hmm. stuff, still using the voice, which is obviously your bread and butter, which you really want to con- continue to use broadcasting, and then. Ring announcing. When it came to ring announcing, what was the first inclination that that could be an opportunity? Who was the first person that started to bring that up? And how did that whole uh, maturation happen? It's interesting. So so it actually kind of happened, I'd say, pretty organically because when I did the one-day tryout at Santino's, um, I had started, you know, talking to um, to Chaos and and kind of asking like, Hey, you know, like, I feel like the, the talking side is what really is more my fit. And, uh, he had been saying, he's like, you know, we want to do a class for managers, for announcers, for production. Um, so when we, when we run that class, I, I'll, you know, we'll let you know, you'll see, you'll see stuff about it. I was like, okay, like it's probably never going to happen. You know, whatever that ship sailed. Okay. Uh, and then it did. And in October of 2017, yeah. Uh, they they launched the first ever manager class of Santino Brothers. So it was everything from learning, you know, proper stance for ring announcing, you know, doing doing mock events because they were running open ring with the wrestlers. So having wrestlers come in and each one would, you know, have a manager that was kind of in training. Um, so from there, kind of having that that badge of Santino Brothers and saying like, hey, I, I graduated from this program kind of led to more places taking it seriously it kind of became a little bit easier to at least within you know southern california to say like hey i came i came from santino brothers like i have this you know this is my work ethic this is what i can do um and one of my first things i have ever gotten opportunity with before even really ring announcing was um backstage interviews and that was it championship wrestling from hollywood and that was something where one of our uh referees referee jeremy marcus who's now with new japan had uh had said like, hey, have you ever thought about like doing interviews? You ever is that like ever something you'd want to do? I'm like, yeah. And I, I think and I still to a degree have this mindset of of say yes and then figure it out. Yep. So so I was like, yes, absolutely. I would love to do that. So we ended up a, a small group of us from the manager class went up to a championship wrestling from Hollywood taping and uh, helped set up the ring. And we're just kind of hanging around and, and watching. And, you know, I was, up, I was up right by the stage watching them do the, the interviews, um, like kind of the, the pre-tape ones with the wrestlers. And, and I think another, someone else from production was like, do you, want, do you want to do this? I think we can get you like, like right now, if you want like to do like a little tryout one. I was like, oh, right now, right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. 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 So I had luckily come from, um, a show the night before where I'd come right from work. So I still had like my nice work shirt in the car. I was like, give me one minute. So I like, put on this work shirt and I, I run back out and I do like the first ever interview 
audition um and and that was really one of my first non-wrestling more of the broadcasting side opportunities that i received what kind of feedback did you get after that first one is that something that they got back in touch with you fairly quickly and they were able to tell you what they thought or did you have to get a hold of them and say hey how do you think that went so i think it was something where i it felt like the general vibe was like but like I didn't, I didn't want to ask. I didn't want to bother anybody. So I ended up just like kind of hanging out for the taping and watching everything. And it was, it was great. I think I, I had this mindset where I was like, I don't want to be in the audience because I want to, I want to be on, on this program. And I don't want it to seem weird that I'm in the audience. Random. So I was like, I'm going to go help out at merch. I'm going to go stand by the merch table. I'm going to do that. That's my plan. And I don't know if I manifested the idea of like, no, it's because I want to be on this program. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sit out there, but, um, but whatever the case may be, I ended up going up for the next taping and then the next one. So I just, I just kind of just stayed on top of it. So, so to speak. And I, it was good enough that I think I, I think I had asked if I could do another interview or if, Hey, like, is there any opportunity for me to like jump on one of these and I think maybe two tapings later was when they started using me more, more frequently, like more on a regular basis. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I mean, you know, it's funny how right place, right time, you know, yeah. and your persistence, definitely. There's a lot to be said for that. I know it sounds very cliche in some situations, but it is. I mean, if you're persistent, you stay on it. You obviously have the talent. You have the confidence in yourself. You know what? Why not? The worst thing they can say is, you know what? We're good. We don't need any extra people. But it ended up lending itself to another great, great situation. Um, what were some of the really great people that you got to meet from um, wrestling that specific company uh, out in Los Angeles? I mean, I honestly most of my my friends and loved ones in my life are are from people that I've met within that company so it's I, I mean everyone from I mean Heather Monroe Andy Brown like the, all the, these wonderful people that I I still have really close connections with were were people that I met from that program and uh and and honestly people even in the production side so I mean I mean Dave Marquez has been someone that's given me a lot of great opportunities to, to show what I can do. Um, Nick Bonanno was one of, gosh, wears so many hats within that a referee, a writer, a producer, everything um, has had a lot to do with um, helping me kind of grow creatively. Cause a lot of the time when we would do these pre-taped interviews, it was me and him and him saying like, okay, well, here's what we kind of want to get across. And then, me going up okay well what if I say this to Andy what if I get this do you think this will work and and then you know it's it's all this beautiful kind of synergy within within everybody so I just have so many great friendships from that program a lot of really special people I think it's it's a very underrated um role in wrestling is the interviewer because you are the person that is helping them tell the story. You are the one that is getting the emotion out of them. And it is your role to help get across and sell the product that is what the match is going to be. And to, for you to you know, conjure up these certain emotions from them and, and it really build in the drama. And it gets you a chance to ask some of those questions. You know, What do you think you're going to do? 
to such and such on this night or whatever it may be. But the point is, is though people get locked into that. I think that's why people like Mean Gene for so many years was so well respected for what he was able to do. Uh, and and uh, JB, obviously in TNA, really, really good. So there's a lot of these people out there who've done this really, really well. And I think that it's a very underrated, underappreciated at times aspect of what an interviewer does. And it is not an easy job whatsoever. Yeah, because I think that so much there's this balance that we need to find where we can't completely fade into the background, but we're not who it's about. You know, so finding that and navigating this path of like, how do I get them to tell me what I need them to say? And kind of working working backwards to, to formulate it. But yeah, I think that there's so much of even the demeanor of the correspondent has the an effect on everything. If I throw it away, then why is anyone going to care? You know, so. Did you ever get a chance to see, uh, they ever have any DVDs or whatnot of like outtakes and stuff like that or... Just, you know, I, I worked within television as well. And just some of the goofy stuff that would happen. Somebody gets a case of the giggles or somebody says something that, that shouldn't have been said. And all of a sudden it starts to turn into this big, fun, goofy parody that everyone knows it's not going to be used. But it's just all, it, a bit starts. So any funny moments like that, we were like, OK, this is off the rails. But boy, I'm having fun. So funny story. Uh, <laughs> we were literally just talking about this the other day. So. I had an interview segment with Reno Scum and giant, towering, very intimidating dudes. And I asked the question, you know, how do you feel about facing an established tag team like the tribe? And I go to Adam Thornstone and he says, and he has this really grown, he puts on, you know, the voice. And he goes, you know, they're kind of, they're a lot like, you know cereal? You know how cereal, the longer it's in the bowl, the more soggy it gets? <laughs> Tell him, Luster. I go to Luster the Legend. He's like, yeah, what is that thing? We're going to snap, crackle, and pop. And I was like, oh. And I'm literally, I, I'm almost breaking, but I'm somehow not. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then Adam's, at the time, I was using the name uh, Kathy Campanelli. And Adam goes, Kathy knows all about cereal. Go follow Kathy on Instagram. And somehow we end it and then everyone starts laughing. <laughs> and we go, oh, that was funny. That was funny. Okay, let's do the real take. Okay. We do it, whatever. And they use the first take in the broadcast. It made it to air. I don't know how it did it, but I love it forever. And it made me so, so happy. That is awesome. And, and those are the kind of memories <laughs> that you you will forever carry with you. You know what I mean? It's just exactly. those random things that it went crazy, but it was so much fun. Um, Seriously. So, you know, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, obviously, it's going. You're working with them. How does that kind of lead to the next chapter? I mean, did you always look at what would be next or did you say to yourself, well, you know what, I'm working, I'm doing this as well, I'm really content or did you say, no, I think we need to keep pushing forward? I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm always someone that wants more. Like I'm never comfortable just being in any kind of, place i'm always like okay well but maybe not next but more 
if that makes sense. Like, I'm yep. not thinking about like, okay, I want to advance into another level. I'm like, no, I just want more stuff. Give me more stuff. Um, so, you know, I wanted to get new, new, new tools that I could acquire, new skills that I could work on, new places that I could go and do what I do. Um, so I don't really think it was a matter of looking for what was next, like a new obstacle, but I wanted to learn more. I always wanted to learn more things and I still obviously do. Um, See, so yeah, I think it was more of just wanting more things to do, um, not necessarily different levels of things to do. So at that point in time, I mean, obviously working with Champion Dressing from Hollywood, how do you feel like you evolved um, from, you know, the stuff that you learned from Santino Brothers to doing that? Did you feel at any point in time like, okay, I'm starting to understand the nuances of how this works. I'm starting to understand the facial features, the cues, when to turn to this person, how to say this, and then the repertoire that you build up with people. Because after you've worked with them for a while doing you know, interviews and whatnot, you, you, you kind of get a feel of what direction people are going to go into and their timing and whatnot. Did you feel like, yeah, I'm really starting to understand how this art form is done? I am completely confident and comfortable in saying that I will never know all of the nuances of how this is done. And I'm totally fine with that. I think that it is always going to be a journey. And I that's, I think, what I love about it is that there's always going to be something new to learn and I don't want to feel like I ever have it all figured out. I do feel like I, I've i gotten myself to a point with my skills and, and with the things that I do where I, I feel like I'm all right, but I can always be better. Um, there definitely is, a, I think, a certain level of evolution that came from, you know, looking back at the first interview I ever did. To then, you know, looking at one of the last interviews that I did before I started doing commentary for the United Wrestling Network. I was like, oh, look how much more comfortable I look. I, you know, there's there's a really funny picture that I had on my Instagram, one of the first pictures that was ever taken of me. And I swear to you, I'm literally, I'm holding the microphone and I just look terrified. And it's, it's a portrait of, hey, this is someone that's brand new at this and they're figuring it out. So, <laughs> so I think that now, like, there's definitely been very much an evolution into just feeling, I think, more at ease in in my own skin, in my roles. Um, yeah, I definitely think that it was a comfort that that came along with it. Yeah, I talk to Freeland a lot, and one thing that I've always told him is when we're doing interviews, sometimes it's like, you know, we're like all professional, and it's. Mm -hmm. I feel I personally feel uptight. Then all of a sudden, there's usually that one question that gets asked. Then all of a sudden, it's like, ah, okay. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, we're not even interviewing. We're just talking back and forth, you know, having a good yeah. time. That's it. And I feel like that can be the same way with, with even commentary. Like a lot of the time, it's commentary doesn't have to be super duper straight laced. It's, it's two, three friends that are watching matches and, you know, oh, my God, did you see that? Holy crap. You know, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I definitely think that there, yeah, there are a lot of, I think, nuances and layers to it that I think just the more that we loosen up, the better it is. Now, now uh, with commentary, mm -hmm. JR, the night that, the, you know, this is just something, uh, JR likes spontaneous, you know, stuff. The night that uh, Moxley made his debut in AEW, he didn't want to know, you know, nothing. Mm -hmm. 
are you the same type of way that you would rather not know anything and have natural reactions? And, or would you want to, okay, I got to, you know, have everything in line? I'm getting better at it, but normally I like to know everything that's going on. I like to have a plan. I, I very much, I am very much a perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'll say that <laughs> <laughs> um, where I, I always want everything to be amazing. It's not realistic. I know this, but uh, I want to give myself every fighting chance in the world to, to do my best. And sometimes I think that may lead to over preparing on my part. So I'm trying to, you know, loosen up a little bit. <laughs> so you got a lot of different gigs that you're doing and you mentioned before the United Wrestling Network, which is awesome. Tell me a little bit about how that kind of came about. So United Wrestling Network is championship wrestling from Hollywood. Now it's Atlanta and it's Memphis. So with going in from the uh, backstage correspondent position and then kind of just expressing that, hey, like, I would really love an opportunity to to do some commentary and and you know going through the the team I think had gone through a couple different commentary teams. I mean Todd Kennelly is incredible um, and and I think it was something where there just was never the right time. There was never the right opportunity for me to kind of sneak on or or, or you know stuff like that. Um, and then years later, I think one of my first opportunities that I got was when we started doing primetime live, which was kind of mid pandemic or maybe early pandemic. Um, and that was a, a pay-per-view that United Wrestling Network was running. Um, and it was kind of just like, Hey, would that maybe be an option for me to be on commentary instead of doing the interviews? And I, and I sure enough, they were like, you know what, let's do it. And, and that was just kind of the, the the first shot within the United Wrestling Network, and now with the Atlanta broadcast that we've uh, that we've started up, I'm one of the commentators there. So it's it's something where it's it definitely evolved from that first opportunity. But I think it was just always something that I had put out there as something that I was interested in and something that I thought I could do. And obviously, having a stint obviously with Ring of Honor as well, that kind of links up with our our other guests we had as well. It, it's so neat to be able to get a chance to work with different promotions and different productions and find out how they do things and whatnot. That had to have been super fun as well. I mean, you have this all this experience, and then obviously you get a chance to work with them. Uh, what was it like when you're sitting with Ring of Honor? Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. I was I was terrified, and that was a situation where I had. I had driven up with with friends who were on the show and no, actually they weren't on the show. I think they were, we were all going to help out with like the hope of like, oh, well maybe we'll get a chance to do something. And uh, so we had driven up, we were setting up the ring, setting up those those barricades on the side. And it was a, it was Death Before Dishonor and it was, I it was a two night event. And the first night there, you know, we just watched, you know, watched the show and, and helped out and then um, it was actually uh, Brody King, who Santino through and through. Um, I I don't know I don't know why, but he always um, was very supportive and really believed in me 
uh, even when I was doing my manager character and, and he was one of the people that was like, Hey, like, we're going to, I want to, I want to try and get you, I want to talk to them about you to try and get you a spot to do something, maybe a dark match. I'm like, okay, anything. Yeah, cool. Appreciate you so much. Um, and he's a, he's a really, he's a good dude. And he, uh, and he, I think played a, a strong hand in, in having that happen. So I actually got to do, um, it was, it was Jake Atlas and Bateman and they had an awesome match on the broadcast, which I was not expecting <laughs> to be on. Um, so they were like, Hey, you know, both of these guys. So we're going to have you jump in with, with Caprice and, and Ian. I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm panicking. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Um, but seriously, they were so kind, so generous with their time. I mean, both of them, like I reached out to both of them just to kind of, oh, can I get any feedback? And, and, and Ian, I even ended up sending matches to, and, and he was so sweet to, to give me his advice and give me feedback on like, they're such a great team, great people. Uh, so yeah, I was very, very grateful to have that opportunity and have it be as positive as, as it was. Yeah. Ian Riccoboni, in my opinion, is, is so good, is, is so good at what he does. And, um, man, there's so much talent out there and until you actually expose yourself and open yourself up to all of these different, uh, territories, these different promotions, you really don't understand how much is really out there. I feel like a lot of people are very narrow minded with, I watch one product. I watch one show, but you know what? You have to watch. You got to watch a lot. Um, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention this, obviously, because um, NXT has been a, a big thing, WWE, and obviously it's gone through so many iterations and so many different changes and whatnot. But um, if you don't mind kind of touching upon how that opportunity came about, what your experience was like and, and how all that went. Yeah, so when I was in... Uh, when I had moved to LA and started getting into wrestling, I had a, applied on the careers website um, to even be considered for extra work. And I had, I think I went, maybe I think I only went once uh, to, to, you know, to be there, be an extra. And I don't know if my name was kind of floating around in the, in the system. So when it came around that they were looking for live event hosts, um, I had kind of popped up and, and uh, I don't know if it was a matter of um, the, the, things that I had done in LA or things that had kind of um, maybe just from being around or, or being on uh, in the event or in the extra kind of pool. Um, another huge factor I think was uh, doing the WWN seminar in Chicago. Um, so I had flown myself out <laughs> from, from LA to Chicago um, to do a seminar that was for referees and managers. And I, I said, okay, well, if I need to, I can be, I can be a manager. I did a manager character and it was, uh, Tommaso Ciampa had done the seminar and he was, you know, talking to everyone and giving some incredible advice that was, you know, very much geared for, you know, for wrestlers, for actually even for referees as well. Um, there wasn't a whole lot as far as, announcers or commentators or stuff like that. So I was like, okay, but I can still apply this to what I'm doing. And I remember one of the things he said was, okay, we're going to do practice matches and I don't want you to do anything that doesn't feel like a hundred percent you. I don't want you to do things that don't feel authentic, that don't feel like things you would do. And I'm, you know, I'm sure he was thinking of like, you know, don't, don't do moves that are out of your wheelhouse, you know, like just do what's you, you know? So then I'm thinking, it's like, okay, 
I'm not a manager anymore. I don't do this. This isn't me. I, I do commentary. You know what? And I walk up to Tommaso Champ and I say, Hey, um, excuse me. I'm sorry. So you said about, and I'm like terrified as I'm like, I, I'm just like, what am I doing? But I'm doing this. I was like, you know, you said the thing you said about it. We should do things that feel like us that feel like hundred percent ourselves. I am a commentator. Is there any option for me to do commentary for these practice matches? He goes, can she do that? Yeah, you can do that. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Thank you. So I ended up having my, my phone. I'm using the recorder on my phone to record commentary of these practice matches as I'm watching them. And he like came over, like Tommaso Champa came over. He sat down next to me and he like listened in, like while I was doing stuff, he gave me some like really quick feedback between the matches and was so, again, just so kind, so generous with his time. Like he didn't have to do that, but, but he did. He's like, oh, okay, well, one of the things that I know um, at the time, it was, Morrow was, was on the announce team. He's like, oh, one of the things I know that Morrow does is, you know, this, this, and this. I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. So just like really, really good advice that even that was kind of out of his wheelhouse. But it was just things that he had picked up that he chose to share with me. Like, that was so, so kind. I don't know if that played a part in in getting my name out there. I I, I think that it must have helped. But, uh, but yeah, that was another just really cool experience that I think helped to get me on, on that radar. I got to do the, the, the dark match of that evolve event. So it was really, really awesome. It seems like you, you, you've taken advantage of every situation that's been presented in front of you. You you've been very transparent about what your objective and your goals are, which is great. Um, but you definitely continue to take that next step forward, meaning, Hey, I have done this. I want to do this, or I want to do, like you said before, maybe not necessarily the next step, but I just want to do more so I can put more on my resume so I can show people that there are many different facets of this industry that I can do and I can do very well. So I think you definitely should credit yourself a lot for being able to wear many different hats and be able to go with the flow. Wrestling is very you know, from everything that we've learned and I've talked to Jerry and Mikey, it's very extemporaneous. I mean, you have to be able to go, go, go. It's almost like whose line is it anyway? You, you just have to be ready in the moment to say and do things in a split second. And you got to act like it's not being done in a split second. Keep your composure and make it look as professional as possible. And I think you've done it. I think you've done a really, really good job with that. Thank you very much. And that's, I think definitely something that was instilled from Santino's as well was just the, the get in where you fit in mentality. Like, Oh, if they need a ring announcer, you're a ring announcer. They need a commentator. You can commentate. They, you know, they need a manager manage. So I think it's, it's definitely, I think uh, came from them as well. Ritster, I think uh, you're itching for it. And I, uh, all right, uh, Alyssa, I'm going to tell you right now, yep. you've taken the SATs, right? Yep. You've taken probably ACT. You've probably taken a lot of standardized tests. Uh -huh. And there's a lot of different questions on these tests. Well, here's a wrestling version of an SAT question. I'm going to turn it over to this guy right here. I've gotten better at this. I point in the opposite direction of where he is on the screen. Ritster, the floor <laughs> is yours. Ask the question. Okay, Alyssa. First thing first, we're going to break it down. But before I get to this question... What is at the map of behind you? Oh, this is my hometown. This is Philadelphia. And my, my map of Philly. See, nice. What, what you should be, you should, you should have a world map behind you. 
because the world map is in the other room. I'm just saying because you're taking over the world. You're not just taking over Philadelphia. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. But anyways, back to the professional question. Here's the question. Oh, jeez. if I'd say professional. What would you like me to phrase it towards? Commentating or interviewer? Ooh, let's do – okay, because I, I won't lie. I, I studied, and I know kind of what the question is. So I would say commentary. Ooh, okay, interview, studied, interviewer. Okay. We're going to go interviewer for 500 because you studied – Oh, okay. If, Fine. What a good student study studying before the test. Ready. I like it. I'm ready. If if you can interview, oh wait, wait. Let me get to there. If you can go back in the time to yeah. any interview that you have ever watched, ever take, watched, take out like a mean Gene Okerlund, you know, or anybody you want, Sean and you Mooney. can interview that person. John Mooney. Pat uh, was it Pat and Gale? Who's that other guy? That's Tony Schiavone. No. Gordon Soley. No, the one on WWE. Michael, Michael Cole? Cole. Michael Cole. Yeah. You can take any interviewer out and you're interviewing that person for that special moment. Now, remember, you shouldn't have said you studied or you could have got the commentator question. I know you're right. So you're taking, she's taking herself out of one of those roles no, and going to interview a. Any, anyone wrestler, any, any monumental one. I would say, and I, I don't have a monumental moment, but I have a monumental person. Does that kind of count? Can that count? It always counts. It's you. We'll okay, take her. You. We'll take okay. You're the guest. I would honestly, if I could go and I pick anything ever, I would just, I would want to go to really any, any interview and interview Paul Heyman. Wow. I feel like he is such a master of words and of emotion and can craft and make you feel anything he wants you to feel and to play any mild part in telling that story. Please. Sign me up. I like it. Uh, I loved listening to Paul when he was on Talking Smack. Yes. And and when he and the way the guys were like Big E, Big E was sitting there, and I I remember this like it was yesterday when he broke down Big E compared to Roman Reigns. Mm -hmm. How Roman Reigns was just okay when he was with the Shield, but when he was separated. He became the star. This was right after Big E and uh, Kofi and Xavier Woods got split up mm-hmm. with the New Day. Yeah. And then, you know, and I'm just like, man, just the way Paul Paul puts stuff in the words. Yeah. He's a it genius. draws you in. <sighs> genius. Yeah. Genius. So articulate. So engaging. Uh, yeah. Would love to be part of any any of those moments over the course of his career. I would love to just sit and just listen to him all day. Seriously, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm never going to wait for a pay paycheck from him, but 
You're terrible. You realize that? You are terrible. Uh, Alyssa, let me ask you this question. Where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you? Uh, where can they buy merchandise? Where are they going to find anything and everything about Alyssa Marina? The floor is yours. Okay. Well, I am on Instagram and Twitter at A-Y-Y underscore Marino, like a Marino. And I have my shirts up on below the collar.com slash let's get cereal. Let's get cereal is my interview show that I do, uh, which is on YouTube every Saturday afternoon on my YouTube channel. If you just go to uh, youtube.com slash Alyssa Marino. Um, I have a Patreon to support the show. Um, so you get early access to episodes. Um, Patreon.com slash, I think, Let's Get Cereal. But if you search Let's Get Cereal on Patreon, you will more than likely find it. And um, I think that's all the important stuff. You have a lot of, you remind me very much of uh, an individual we work with as well, Kate Hensler from Fightful. Uh, she worked oh. with Son Ross Sapp. It just reminds me. Just, uh, just as far as your energy level, as far as wrestling goes, the way you describe it, there does seem to be some similarities with that. So, Heck yeah, very cool. But we're definitely going to be promoting the show as well. That's on YouTube, guys. So go ahead and click the subscribe button on that one as well. We'll make sure that we post it on our Twitter account. And uh, we would love to get a chance to bring you back again and hear more stories. Any chance we could twist your arm? Absolutely. No twisting necessary. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome getting a chance to talk to you. We'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got Thanks, it. Alyssa. Bye. Wow. Alyssa Marino right there. It's so interesting because you just never know someone's story. And we've talked about this before, especially with future stars. Now it's, you can, hear about someone, you can read about someone, but until you actually sit there and you listen from their own words, hey, this is what I had to do, or this is where I went. And it is the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I say this, and, and I think half of you guys think I'm crazier than shit for saying this, but it is the six degrees because Santino Brothers were supporters of Santino Brothers big time um, in Bell Gardens, uh, California. And then so many people we know have gone through that. And it's just the wrestling world is as large as it is, as vast as it is, is really small and tiny because everyone somehow knows somebody because everybody seems to circle around and work through these different promotions. And this person knows that person or this person was trained by this person. And we know that person. Um, and we know different promotions now, and we can reach out to these promotions with a text message and say, Hey, I think it might be kind of cool. They want to work with you guys. So it's just, um, we're kind of in that central hub right there. You know what I mean? When it comes to being able to connect people in, in so many different ways, but I really, really liked the interview. What was your takeaway? Uh, I enjoy, you know, we interview wrestlers all the time. Yep. We rarely get to interview interviewers, commentators, referees, promoters. You know, I love to hear a different aspect, different takes on what people actually you know, think about the product, how they came about being a part of the product. You mm -hmm. know, it's not it's not like people wake up one day and oh, I'm going to be a, a commentator. You know, right? That's that's something you have to have a knack for. Something you have to you know learn. And uh, are you okay? I'm just getting comfortable. It, you, it looks like you're getting ready to go to bed again. No, I'm comfortable. I'm just getting comfortable. I've been sitting in one spot, and I gotta. I got to switch we, it up a little bit. We've only been live for an hour and a half. Hey, you know what? Here's the deal. Listen, listen, I got to move this table. When you sit in one spot for too long, 
your ass cheek, I'm just going to be honest, your ass cheek goes numb, so you got a, a little switcherooski right there. Now, does it go numb, or does it go num 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 num? No? That might be the creepiest thing you've ever said to me. And you you, you looked at me straight in the eye. Num, 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 num. Yeah. Weirdo. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, we don't get a chance to talk to a lot of people who have these different um, peripheral jobs outside of necessarily just being the wrestler themselves. And I think it's really cool and it gives people an insight into what they do and how they got to do it and everything they did to get where they are. And and like she said, and we've heard this from so many other people, you know what, make yourself available, say yes to everything. And if you don't know what it is, say yes, smile, and then say, holy shit on the inside, get yourself a drink of water. And then just the fake it till you make it literally is the truest phrase in anything. Um, I, I do that every day when I go to work with half the people I deal with. Why not? And I remember the first time. The, the first time I started working with middle school, high school kids, <laughs> uh, you just have to put on a persona because you don't know what's going to come your way. You, you I, literally have no idea. And it, you just exactly. take it till you make it. I do that every day at work. And, and it's funny because some of the people at work actually listen to the podcast now. They listen to this? They listen to this. Jeez. And now they're probably thinking, wait, which one am I? Am, am I the guy that he likes or am I the guy he's faking it to? Oh, they'll never know. Don't care. Don't even care. We well, don't care. Really? You understand? Yeah. Are you ready for the panel? Jeez. Oh, I'm exhausted. I got my Golden Girls PJ pants on. I'm really comfortable right now. One ass cheeks asleep. I guess we can bring this cluster of people on. Jeez. Uh, but I'm very excited. There's one person on the panel tonight. I'm very excited to get a chance to reconnect with and everything else. Uh, we have the the resident anarchist. We have uh, the Canadians. They're here. Um, we're going to call them the Quebecers. That's what we're going to call them. Jacques and Pierre. Jacques and Pierre. Uh, uh, speaking of which, big shout out to PCO, a guy I, I get a chance to talk to frequently. Very nice person. Went ahead and made that video for our tribute last week. I appreciate that. Uh, Sandman, I appreciate you doing that as well. Raven. Um, the Ravester, yep. Going ahead and doing that. It was very cool. And um, Couldn't do the podcast, but you did, an inter- but you did a shout-out. <laughs> Literally, the guy does a video, and you're like, well, I should have fucking been on the show. Uh-huh. His eyes were closed. His eyes were closed a lot. Did you notice <laughs> hey. that? I, I, I kind of thought it was funny that, that you know, the roast. I thought it was a roast. But then, Mike, you would yeah, probably yeah, eat it. Yeah. Oh, that was great. And and, and, and then you, I, I was trying to save the best for last, and, and, and you <sighs> and you cued early Maze and Red. I knew that was going to happen, and you sit there and you wanted it early. I was segueing. We were talking about people, I, and I, we were I, introing and speaking of high flyers – we have another high flyer, and then I just thought it made sense. If you would have told me, if you would have said, hey, hey, you, get your damn hands off her. Where's that from? Anyone in the chat, tell me. First person to say something. We'll, we'll get an autograph, Freeland. Oreo cookie. Very nice, and I don't think that person wants anything autographed from me. Uh, but anyway, yes. 
I did before, not realize I, I I screwed that up. So I, well, you didn't screw it up. It's just I I, I knew I knew that would that one there would hit a little bit too close to home with Mikey. It would. So and it did, and it very much did. But before we bring in the panel, yeah, we want to do a quick little rundown. This Thursday, eight o'clock, Calter Beardo is back. Eight o'clock. You have myself, the butt, Renegade, and a new special guest that will sit there and a little tryout phase. So wait, did they have a tryout phase last episode? No, it's this this Thursday coming up. So this this Thursday, it's going to be their first tryout episode. Yes. So, so are are you going to be like the Simon Cowell and then the Ass Man and um, Renegade are going to be kind of like the other panelists, like the Paul Abdul and the uh, who was the one guy that was like Simon Cowell's right hand man? He lost a bu- bunch of weight. Who wears uh, the glasses? Uh, I'm Howard Stern. Are we talking about the same show? We're talking about American Idol, right? Remember back in the day? We don't care about American Paul Idol. Abdul. I'm a big Paul Abdul fan. I was a, I'm a great Paul Abdul fan from, uh, you ever see Impractical Jokers, the movie? I'm forever your girl. Randy Jackson, thank you so much. Paul Abdul did that really cool music video where she was like, um, I think it was called Opposites Attract. Oh, no, I thought you were talking about Cold Hearted Snake. Good Lord, when I was like 12, 13 and that video came on. Hello. (laughs) Oh, man, get the washcloth. But yeah, Um, Call to Beardo, 8 o'clock on Thursdays. And then we have moved Future Stars now to Fridays at 8 o'clock. And it's going to be a big show this Friday night, I'm going to tell you right now. Big show. And if you can't catch us live, head on over to the YouTube channel. That is YouTube backslash FRM pod. Is that really the URL? Shut your mouth. Is it? <laughs> it's not. Our media manager's looking at us going, uh, no, that's not. Really? Um, we're going to have them. We're going to have them you, tell you, us. You, you do. No, you you don't Go to YouTube, type in front Sorry. row material, yes. you'll be fine. And then follow us. Follow us. Follow us. That's all we ask. Follow us. We are going, me and our uh, producer are going to be running a special, uh, a little special contest. I know we don't do contests very well. You know, they, they, 90% of them don't even freaking have a finish to it. But this time... Well, hold on. That will. is so much horse shit. That is so much a lie. There was one contest I was in charge of. One. One contest. And I did ask people to submit. Con- it, no one submitted anything, so the contest was null and void. It wasn't my fault. It was the people didn't submit anything. Don't try to throw this contest shit on me because you've been doing it for a long time. You're like, yeah, it's a bunch of contests. Freeland, Freeland. Freeland was... didn't follow through with. How Freeland. many? How many did I not follow through with? Uh, do you want me to bring up the uh, the uh, the the contest of the of the the macho man, the, the the promos or the that was the the impression contest. The impression contest was the only fucking one. One. What the... was another one that I allegedly said I was going to do? Anybody in the chat? No, no. Screw that. Don't put them on the spot. You right here, Bush boy. What do you got? What, what's the answer? What's the other one I didn't do, huh? I can't I, I can't think right now. I'm under We are Harry.com. They're gonna sign you up on a contract. That's all I'm gonna tell you. But anyways, if you get that joke, then you're a okay with me. 
So let's get to the panel. What? No, one second commercial break. Oh, God. Because I, I've had a, you, a recent doctor's you, appointment, you, and you I, do, I need to You do to, know there's only up. one video we got to play. I think there was a promo contest at one point. Yes, you're right, ECW fan. There was one promo contest. There wasn't anything else. Uh -uh. See, look at you. Cat's got your tongue because you, you can't call me out on any other... Too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me. I'm too sexy for my shirt, too sexy for my shirt, so sexy, it hurts. Sexy for Milan, too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan. Take it. I'm too sexy for your party, too sexy for your party, no way. I am disco dancing. I'm a model, you know what I mean, and I do my little turn on. Yeah, on the catwalk, on the catwalk, yeah, I do my little turn on the catwalk. Oh, too sexy for my car, too sexy for my car. For my hat, too sexy for my hat. What do you think about that? I'm a model, you know what I mean, and I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk, on the catwalk. Back to the most enjoyable thing you'll ever do with dry hands. My name is Mike Freeland. I am joined by my incredibly furry friend. His name is the Rut. Oh, thank you for allowing us to have that commercial break. I needed to. Yes, they may say you got I had another, a, you got another hour to go up. at least. <laughs> you bullshit! Not in my contract. Another hour. Whoa, wait a minute here. 
Didn't Mikey used to tell you the same thing? Tell me what? Yeah, an hour in his contract, and that ended up in two hours and three hours and 16 hours later. And It did. It did. And then me, Jerry, and Mikey would end up talking on the phone afterwards for like two hours. Yeah. Kind of like our, our, our After Dark. After dark. With the dark. By the out. way, by the way, I'd like to go ahead and throw this out there one more time. Uh, if anybody wants to take me on as a challenge, I am currently the podcast Oreo champion. 42. That's right, kids. 42 Oreos in the course of five minutes. If you think you have what it takes to challenge and to take me on, which I don't think you do, but in some delirious world that you may live in that you think that you're just as good as eating Oreo cookies as I am, which, okay, whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night, then you know what? Send me a DM. Hit Rit with a DM. See what you got. See what you got. I'm willing to take on all challengers. Yeah, slide into my DMs, as the kids say, right? Right? Speaking of sliding in, let's bring our first panel guest in. Bring them in. Who's the first person? Do the intro. You know the Chicago Bulls? He's five foot eight. He comes from the wilderness of Canada. He has a badass beard, and his wife teaches preschool. Bring him in. We affectionately refer to him as the ass man, but his butt is as hard as granite. His name is Christopher Butt. What's going on, Butt? This is it, gentlemen, and I'm not five foot eight. I'm six foot two. Six foot two, five foot eight, whatever. He's our center. He's, no, no, he's not going to be our center. He's going to be on our team. He's going to be a guard. You ready for our next one? He's, I'm going with 5'8". That's just the way it works. He's 5'8". He's crazy. He's about to live in a cabin on a bunch of land. He gets nuts so sometimes, but we still love him. He loves to enjoy some creepy-looking material that's smashed in between paper that looks like mustard. His name is Anton. Anton, how you doing, buddy? What's good? That was fucking great. That was fucking great, man. Well, I tell you what, coming up, he's another guard. He's five foot eight. The whole team's five eight, so I don't even give a shit. We're not winning any games. He's five foot eight. He's a resident professional wrestler. He's mean. He's mad. He loves to howl at the moon. His name is Moon Dog Murray. I'm and- six foot, bitch. Okay. I'm 5'5". Five, five. Hey, hey, combat hey. five, seven. Someone's bound this. to be 5'8". Right, here we go. Last chance. And finally, a center. He's got long hair like he comes from an 80s band. He's got a dyed beard and a pasty white skin. He hangs out in his garage in Canada. He doesn't have any heat, so he's wearing another jacket. He is Garage Car Willie. He's wearing a T-shirt. He's in his basement today, and always oh, in his like the guy with the white stain on his face. Oh wow, you're in your basement tonight. Nice. Not what's yeah. going on there, Garage Car Willie? Well, I figured I'd it, it. The way you say it doesn't make any sense. Garage car? Don't you mean car garage? This it. I'm just going by what you say. It's Garage Car Willie. That's what you have literally on your name right there. Right, but you always say Garage Car Willie. It makes no sense. So I just put it down just to show what an ass clown you are. That's all. You're fired from the team. 
me, you stupid fuck. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I have nothing to say. Without him, our YouTube page would not have nothing on it. By the way, speaking of our YouTube page, what's the correct URL for our YouTube? Go ahead uh, and, 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 and tell them all the letters that's behind. Yeah, it's like 8UVXYW backslash tilde uh, hyphen number three. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think you need like a thousand subs for for you to get your own URL. Did you say well, look. dildo? No. No, dildo, you have your mind in the gutter as usual. So, Same. Well, I tell you what, it's good to see you all. Moondog, it's good to see you, my friend. Yes. It's good to see you as always. Uh, hopefully we haven't harassed you too much. And uh... Fuck no. Okay. But I got, if it wasn't you, it was everybody else. I had a million wrestlers text me. I had my whole family text me. I had all my friends text me. Jesus Christ. I'm never going to feel lonely again because you fuckers. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> because guess what? And Once you're uh, with us. It's for life. And your amazing mob. detective work also. Where, uh, <laughs> oh, God. I don't know how much detail you want me to get into, but I thought it was, I think the story is hilarious. But, well, I tell you what, we stopped at no expense to get the job done. And, uh, the bottom line is this this is the bottom line. We care about you. We love you. Many, many people do. We are so happy that things are going better for you. And just know from here on out for forever and a day, you always have our support. And that goes for everybody also on the panel. Um, always have our support. Unconditional. No questions asked. Foshizel. Yes. So uh, a lot of things to get to here. Ritzer, I do want you to hang around for just a little bit, okay? Can you do that? God. Uh, gotta get up at like at like I don't know like twelve o'clock and then I gotta go like go to work. Okay. What time do you have to get up in the morning? What time do you have to get up? That's none of your dang business. What, what, what do you want me to do? Bring out my my new AEW action figures. The you spend so much friggin' money, like literally. I, I spent another hundred and eight dollars. That's it. So this schmoster goes to the grocery store to do what? You were to buy something else, right? Yeah, I went to buy something else. The rich get richer, the poor get children, it, it, just like uh, Bobby Heenan says. Listen, here's the deal. You were, What were you going to the Walmart for? You were picking something up, right? Uh, bagels and... Cream cheese? No, I had cream cheese at the house. The kids ate all the bagels, Bacon? though. I can't remember. Oh, containers. for the. Uh, they're, these are new Black Friday containers. So you went to shop for bagels and Tupperware? Yeah. And so he Perfect. tells me, oh, I thought I would stop over on the toy aisle. That's and I app. swear to God, your luck is just shit house good. How in the hell do you just cruise on down the toy aisle and walk right into a gold mine like that? I, I stepped in dog shit. I didn't, they didn't have the LJN one. I, I tore that whole section apart thinking someone, someone like you would have freaking hit it somewhere. Someone like who? You, what me? You you seem like Freeland. You're the type of person that oh, I don't have it this paycheck, so I'm going to sit there and stick it somewhere so no one else finds it. He's Hands the reason up. they don't do that anymore with the top uh, the top little shelves underneath the things. Now hold on, hold on. Any 
Anybody in the chat watching the show, have you ever done that? There is an item that you like, you realize I got to fucking hide it in this store somewhere, inconspicuous. So when I come back, I'm the only one who knows where it's at. Anton, back You're to also me. a bunch of cunts for doing it. I also hey. work at a slave mart and will hide shit that I want to do that. But I try to get it the same day that I hide it. He, I try not to. But listen, it, to, to uh, side with Rick here, that's how it clock. always starts. You go to Walmart for beer, for bread, for anything else. But you have that thing in your mind to go, I'm going to, the, I'm going to the toy section. And that's how you end up with hundreds of dollars of Transformers, okay? You know, it's fucking, that's just how she goes. Transformers and AEW figures, okay? I, I love me some Transformers. I actually had a whole bunch this was a couple years ago. Generation one Transformers. Mm-hmm. Like I had every combiner, you know, Optimus, the whole nine yards. Fell on some tough times. I you had to sell. sell. I had to yeah. sell every single one. To, you fell to, on. You fell on tough times because you spent all your money on Transformers. To, that's why. <laughs> no, no. Listen, th- these are from when I, when I was a kid. And to this day, oh. I still bring them, bring up, and make her feel bad. I uh, I can't. Thankfully, I date nerds, so they all get it. <laughs> so, I've had sex in this room, believe it or not, with all the toys watching us. You know, <laughs> that doesn't. But hold on, Congrats. that doesn't that doesn't count. Toys don't. They're not watching anything. Now, if you allow a pet to come in the room, that's oh, a whole my, new level. I had a cat get in between us once. Can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. Gerbils, yes. Gerbils, no. Gerbils and gay sex don't go together. I hope you know that. All right, Mr. Slave. Not not unless you have a good yarn of twine. You got to get you some twine from the Menards. What's hilarious was I was playing a South Park game. Liam could testify. (laughs) (laughs) What? Fractured butthole or the stick of truth? Uh, The phone destroyer. Oh. (laughs) The phone destroyer. Sticking your phone up your ass, is that it? No, I, yeah, I was streaming that till it was around panel time that I rated the, and I just, I rated everybody. Liam checked in every now and again, just to make sure I was nice. Nice. Well, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's go ahead and let's check in on the ass man. He looks like he's, <laughs> he looks like he's fatigued at this point of the show already. Mentally fatigued. With Zoner that in. shit show. Wow. Y'all so- wanted me back. Let, let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about this. I thought I won a prize after last week. I thought I won something because Ritz says if he would have did the th- the thirty and three, he would have got something. I did the thirty and three. In fact, I got thirty one and three, and I moved on, and I even got even higher, and I still win nothing. But you didn't want to take the bet. I I, I... you can't you can't win if you don't play. So I'll I'll see your uh, forty two and I'll raise you to forty five. For what? The Oreos. For the, for the Oreos, yeah. I was gonna you, say I was gonna challenge him too on my uh, interview in December. Like I'll fucking do that Oreo shit. Wait a minute, time out, time out, time out. Liam Savage is gonna be the first challenger. You're saying you can do forty five in five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Let's set it up. That's a lot of eating. That's a title on the line. The title Next is week. on the line. We need an My Oreo belt. Shit anyways, so I mean, whatever, right? You, you, you know what's going to be really funny? 
Is every week we're going to get Freeland to do this? <laughs> no. <laughs> bullshit. There's a title defense once every like 60 days. Fuck that. Hang on. It's going to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> my official date. Uh, December 7th is when I challenge. That's no, when I no, challenge. No, no, no. December uh, 10th. 10th? You said 7th, no, you no, bitch. Moon no, 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 no. It's December. Kayfabe. Go to the private chat. Fuck! Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. Wait a minute. Wait. Hold on, ECW fan. This is not the TNT title. This is yeah, not every say, week. All title. right. I'll have the yeah, actually the television title. I'm, I'm gonna be dead. Do you realize that? God. Literally, they're gonna melt my ass down. Diabetes. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 I see. Well, I'm gonna be the champ. I'm totally spoiling that. It's gonna be the SmackDown spoilers for me. I got nothing. New world champion. Oh, shit. Christian won the title, then lost it to Randy Orton in the same night. What a fucking day. So, so hold on. Boxcar Willie, you think, honestly, no, no kidding aside. Car Willie. What? Whatever, same difference. <laughs> Boxcar. You look, like you're, you look Boxcar. like you're an extra in a Saw movie. What's hanging behind you? What is that? Those are pipes. That's a liner. That's an aluminum liner. I don't fucking know. It looks like my dad's a chimney sweep. That's how I know. <laughs> he, he's laying some pipe in the basement. That's what you want. Boys. Listen, Boy listen. Himself. Listen. Oh, this is. God. I'm sorry. What was that? What was that? So, oh, hold on. You say you can do forty-five. Yeah. All right. Mitchie Place says make them double stuffed. No, oh, no, 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 double stuff. You're out of your mind. Do you have any idea? I'll go blind first. It'll be like, uh, I won't You're be able to see. <laughs> <laughs> I literally will. It'll be all that cream. It'll be like, mm, cream. <laughs> My God, I will look, <laughs> I will look like Helen Keller and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Helen Keller and Anne Frank had a kid. That would be me oh if they were God. overweight. Oh shit! What the hell is wrong with you? you I'm just yikes. you know, Freeland. You had to switch to sparkle water because of all those friggin' Oreos you've been eating. Why do you got it? Why do you got to knock the water? The water's good. You're gonna have to switch to insulin. Is what you're gonna have. To do. I, I, I will. It's ridiculous. <laughs> After you lose yeah, you a toe, every day. Yeah. So Freeland, well, <laughs> if Helen Keller was a pro wrestler, what do you think her promos would sound like? Okay, you know. So why did you why did you want to keep me here? What the fuck am I here? Oh my For the god. Helen Keller. <laughs> Who would <laughs> Helen Keller versus Stephen Hawking? Who wins and what's the finish? Stephen Hawk or, or uh, Helen Keller because she can move. <laughs> Stephen hey, Hawking runs so her over. She could actually do the yeah. fucking schoolboy. Stephen Hawking could just go <laughs> and then just gone, done. I am going to kill you. I'm going to get Yep. <laughs> Screw you, Helen. <laughs> yep. Jesus anyway. Christ. We're getting high damage. We are. I want to watch too. Uh, it would be worse than a version of Eugene Helen Keller promos. Oh gosh. Uh, let's go ahead. Oh. Let's uh, 
let, let's go ahead and let's talk about what is one of our topics today. And that is obviously the big news at Ring of Honor is ceasing operations, at least until the month of April. Um, kind of big news. I don't know if it's surprising to anybody or not. Let's go around the horn here. Ring of Honor will be back at some Hopefully. point. Hopefully. And it will look like something. Will it be the Ring of Honor of old? Uh, let's first go um, to Jericho. What do we think? That's what you I think are right beautiful there. on the inside. Man, come on. You are innocence personified. Okay. It's like, why am I still here? <laughs> All right. So, what do we think? What do we think? Um, what do we? No, think? He left. What do we think about Ring of Honor? Uh, what I think is that it it's surprising that it took this long for it to happen. Uh, they've been. I don't know the the, the way it's been going. They were the last kind of uh, promotion. Even Impact had fans before they did. And like after the pandemic um, got underway and everything. But it seems like they would have been, um, just based on their history, be ready to go and get moving a little bit you know, faster than everybody else. But it's like, you know, it just hasn't happened for them. And I guess uh, the Sinclair group who owns them has a problem with um, maybe doling out all that money because it is costing money um, and they did pay them through the whole thing. And that's an expense, right? So um, you got to look at the books and say, this isn't going to work out. So they, uh, I don't know. I mean, give it a little while, see what happens. Maybe they'll, maybe Sinclair won't be even be in the picture after that. But I mean, it's, it's kind of telling of, how the pandemic kind of screwed everybody up and we need to just realize that uh you know they were they're backed by a company that's huge but you know it's going to be well why are we paying all these people all this money when we could just you know try to get rid of that for a while and save that's the way it is no it makes sense i mean you know in some ways WWE actually made a lot of cutbacks as well, and they taped a lot of programming. Like they fucking needed it. They did a lot of things that technically they probably didn't have to do, but for the sake of money and it being a business, they went ahead and they did what they needed to do. It, it is surprising that a promotion um, is able to survive when they're paying people You know that entire time, the entire length of their contract each and every single week or two weeks or however – their pay schedule was because that's that's hard to do, especially when you're not running house shows. Um, you're not really bringing any revenue in, so there's more money going out the door than is coming in the door. And a, a company like Sinclair is only going to back that for so long. I mean, look what happened with WCW at the end. TNT didn't want anything to do with them at that point, and WCW the product meant basically nothing without. A TV outlet, and they end up selling for three million dollars the whole thing. And so, I guess it'll depend on this if Sinclair does want to one hundred percent bring them back and, and get behind them again, or if they say, you know what, after this hiatus, you know, didn't really miss it a whole lot. Maybe they'll move on from it. I'm not sure. Let's go over to the ass man. What what's your take on Ring of Honor? How much Ring of Honor have you? Uh, do you keep up with? Do you watch? And are you surprised by the fact that they've decided to go on a sabbatical? Uh, I've watched a little bit. 
not, not a lot, honestly. Um, I'm not surprised they're gone on a sabbatical. I mean, they are a, a minor league federation, not to be a dick about it. but And they were doling out a lot of cash for the whole pandemic, paying them out. I think they just couldn't afford it, and they're trying to stop some of the bleeding now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're trying to sell off their um, their library, are they not? To it's a rumor. It's a, a rumor right now. Yeah. And so generally, if you go to that extent where you're going to sell off your library, you're done. Because that is everything you had from the past is gone. So you would only do that if you really hurting for cash. At that point, you're, you're going to sell off your library for one or two things. You're really hurting for cash. And you need that to keep you above water, or you're selling off because you're done, and they just don't want to come out and say it. Right. I don't think they're going to come back personally. I think I think it's finished. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Moon Dog. Moon Dog, as far as Ring of Honor is concerned, do you do you see them coming back? And if they come back, do you think they're going to be in the same position they were in before? Ring of Honor has not been the same since 2015. And no one likes to talk about it. True. They have not. They are no longer an indie. They have not been an indie since 2010, when they were bought out by Sinclair. Sinclair Broadcasting does not has also had plenty of opportunity, plenty of time to put money into Ring of Honor, and they always hemmed and hawed till they finally got. Let me get this thing out of my head. Anyway, um, <laughs> fucking um. <laughs> How long before Ring of Honor actually looked good on TV? It took years. Like 2014, 2015, they finally went like a good high def. Because Sinclair, for some reason, even though they're a billion dollar company, they bought out my local fucking um, news station. They fucking forced their, um, you know, they forced their news onto our local news because, you know, they bought it out. So we see Sinclair in New York fucking broadcasted shit um, on local rock for television. Uh, the upside, though, is we get Ring of Honor at midnight um, <clears throat> on Saturdays or some shit. And it's ahead, too, because like when uh, Ring of Honor was on, uh, 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 what call it? TNA was on it for a minute. But anyway, we got it. We got it a week in advance while that channel got like last week's program. So Sinclair has always been such a slow fucking like bear to get out of bed when it comes to funding ring of honor, even though they own it. Um, I applaud them because they didn't, they, them and new Japan were really like COVID. We're taking COVID seriously. We don't want fans to come in and get sick. So we're going to have empty buildings. We're going to have empty, like even though other promotions, Impact Impact was another one that took forever to get fans back in. But like Impact started letting people in, WWE let people in, AEW. Ring of Honor was dead set. They're not letting people in. They don't want to get anybody sick at a Ring of Honor show. Unfortunately, that fucked them. Um, New Japan, they had the the executives had to take a pay cut just so they can. That's just so they don't. Have, they didn't have to fire anybody from New Japan. WWE, they're making all this fucking money, but yet they still somehow think we got to fire all these fucking guys. And you know. Um, Another issue is like, you know, because like in the group chat, um, I forgot. There's a discussion. Is there too many promotions uh, to the f and, and uh, to the fan? Yeah, there's fucking way too many promotions. Way too many. To me as a wrestler, though, there's not enough. 
because that's more places for me to work. It's a major promotion for someone like me to work, which I'm, I'm pretty arrogant for assuming I'm going to work there in like a year or two. But like to think I have all these options, I, I could probably go to an MLW or an ROH or an Impact. I, I know somebody, listen, I know somebody that's getting an Impact tryout, okay? They're getting an Impact tryout, okay? So that's that would not have happened years ago when there was just Impact and WWE and ROH who was like here. Even though they had Sinclair in 20-fucking-12, they're still somehow down here. Billion-dollar company owns the Ring of Honor. Still down here. Well, Impact is up here. WWE's, of course, up here. But, like, Impact is slowly, like, biting at their heels a little bit. ROH is somehow still down here. Um, But for Ring of Honor to go out is a huge blow to wrestling because that is history. That is a fucking... When ECW went out... When uh, when ECW went out, when WCW went out, that was an alternative indie for a lot of fucking people. It started off, but then once 2005, 2006, 2007, that was a golden fucking era. Look at the talent, look at the rosters, go on cagematch.net, look up those fucking cards. There was talent you see today. And for Ring of Honor, for this to be Ring of Honor's la- like last hurrah is a shame. And if they are going out of business, if they do go out, if Sinclair decides to pull the plug, I really hope, fucking pray, that they do one last big fucking show. Because I know with AEW having so many ROH alumni, Impact having ROH alumni, I could see them fucking having a great fucking outing. Especially with Brian Danielson, like being in AEW and shit. Um, some, some of the guys that are in New Japan that could come back and just have this one last hurrah, this one last goodbye. Because that's Ring of Honor is a huge fucking like I am almost emotional because <laughs> Ring of Honor was always that there. It's a huge fucking deal that they're not that they shut down because that's history. That's a that's fucking almost 20 years of history in the indies becoming a major promotion like it's amazing how, how far they've come t- and to come out on such a whimper all because COVID and uh, it just getting fucked while all these other promotions like It's great that they're thriving, but ring of honor should be up there too, because it's ring of honor name, name only Na- name alone should fucking have them up there. Right. And still around. No, no, no. I agree a hundred percent with you. I think it's one of those things where when you look at all these different wrestling promotions, right. And they all kind of serve a different audience in some ways. So you have Impact, who applies to one niche of people. WWE, who applies to one niche of people. AEW, who applies to one niche of people. Everyone kind of serves a different sector of the audience, which I think is really, really cool. But Ring of Honor, as Moondog said, is a big, big deal for them if they go out of business for the simple fact that the lineage behind everybody who's come through Ring of Honor I mean, obviously, you have um, Tyler Black, who you know went on to become Seth Rollins, went through Ring of Honor. Jerry went through Ring of Honor. The Bucks went through Ring of Honor. Uh, Kevin Steen went through Ring of Honor. Christopher Daniels went through Ring of Honor. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson went through Ring of Honor. There's so many different people who have done so many great things going through Ring of Honor. And to know that their library potentially could be up for sale and the, potentially the company may not come back um, – that's a big deal. I mean, as far as companies going out of business, I would say WCW, Ring of Honor, and then obviously further down would be ECW. Uh, let's go ahead and throw it over to Anton. I know he's got something to say about all this. 
So the spirit of Ring of Honor definitely left when Gabe left and definitely went to he was doing something else. I think it was Full Impact Pro, which was a sister promotion of Ring of Honor at one yep. point at one yep. point. And then also uh you know eventually Evolve, which had to shut down because of COVID and sold the video rights oh, to WWE. Right. And, but yeah, so that's when when Moondog was going on that spiel, I was like, he's leaving out something very, very important here, and uh, that would be that. And so you know now Gabe's retired from promoting as well because of all of this. And you know think about it, he was Heyman's right hand man. He's the original promoter of Ring of Honor, and then you know the side promotions that he did, and then doing Evolve. You know, and while they didn't pay shit, fuck, that's where you know Darby got his start. That's where Ricochet, other than Lucha Underground, really got put on. I've seen some old school fucking Adam Cole on there, Gargano, Ciampa, all kinds of shit. So, uh, you know, which that falls, you know, even lower than ECW technically on the pecking order of things. But, you know, you're right. Just the alternative is no longer there. You know, Ring of Honor was that weird hybrid style that ECW was probably going to go to in the early 2000s had they stayed a company from hearing how Heyman talked about it. And TNA back in the day was Southern wrestling, you know, so everyone had a niche. Everyone had something for them, you know, and there was deathmatch company, CZW, you know, things of that nature. And, but I agree with Moondog's point specifically as an independent musician, you know, every bar is a place for me to play, you know, is it an oversaturated market? Sure. But if it works out in my favor. Then he wears a foot in the door. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. April's supposed to be the relaunch. Obviously, they're still going to do Final Battle, which is going to be coming up in December. And then they just got done. We just found out, uh, obviously, in this week's episode of our interviews, that they just finished taping the last series of TV tapings uh, last week. So, obviously, that will be then airing. And then I've also been told that they're just going to do the best of Ring of yeah. Honor leading up into April. So obviously January, February, March, and then they're going to start doing a countdown to relaunch. Once again, TBD, uh, a lot can change uh, in the course of now until next spring. I mean, we have a whole rest of the fall and winter to get through before we even get there. WWE took a fat L losing that Impact footage. When Impact, when I think GFW bought it out or something, that whole fucking thing. But WWE losing out on Impact... I can see them being fucking, they are going to probably offer a shit ton if that ROH library is actually up for sale. I could see AEW wanting it because according to Tony Schiavone, they might be doing some streaming service soon. And to have ROH footage, yeah, that's going to be, that's that's definitely going to make me pay for AEW's footage, you know, <laughs> for sure. If Especially got ROH. So I could see WWE like, ah, we need this and we need all of it because think of all that history. Think of all that footage. Like, you have Punk, Brian. I, I, don't, I don't even need to list it all, but you know, everyone knows that footage is fucking priceless. So, and I could see WWE really like wanting to grab that shit because they lost out on that impact footage and they're probably fucking kicking themselves for that shit. But <clears throat> I don't, I, I could see this being kind of vicious <laughs> if that footage goes up for sale. <laughs> So as far as a thumbs up, they will come back. Thumbs in the middle, I'm not sure. Thumbs down, they definitely won't come back. Let's all give a vote right here what we think is going to happen with uh, Ring of it's Honor. It's hard to say. I'm going to go thumbs in the middle right now. Um, but are you saying thumbs down or thumbs in the middle? Down. You're saying thumbs down. Thumbs Put your elbow up, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, it's been a long day. Yeah. I feel that. 
So let's go ahead and let's jump into our next one. Obviously, WWE made another round of cuts, yep. which is insane. Did you guys see the picture on Twitter of all the people from their first cut until this most recent one a couple of days ago? You could build your own promotion with just those people. Um, there is a huge list of people that they had uh, gotten rid of. And from what I have been told, there are also people who were on the bubble who also could still potentially get cut. So I guess my question to all of you is, um, are you surprised in any way that WWE went ahead and made another round of cuts? Let's start off with butt first. WWE decides to put the uh, bunch of heads on the chopping block. You shocked on that? Not really. Nothing that Vince does anymore is really shocking. Um, why they would do it, it's pure cash grab. I mean, did they not make... 200 million the last quarter or something like that i mean they're making money why you got to start getting rid of talent i don't understand is it a matter of just trying to go another another route so you know killing people off that don't quite fit into what they're going to be bringing in i don't know i'm not surprised he did it i don't understand him doing it but it doesn't surprise me this is the randomness that he does. You just get rid of people and, and see what happens. Maybe he's seen them as dead weight. He didn't see potential in them. I don't know. Well, it's interesting that when you look through the list of people who they've cut, and I apologize for obviously being on my phone right here, but there's a lot of oh, people that got cut that, A, maybe not surprising, but then there's some names that are surprising. So, um, I'm just going to list these really quickly here. Karrion Cross, Nia Jax, Ember Moon, Eva Marie, Mia Yim, Harry Smith. Um, did uh, they just hire Harry Smith, too? They did. Yeah. They yep. did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lince Dorado, uh, Gran... Metalik? Malik, yes. Metalik. Metalik. Yes. Gran Malik, yeah. Uh, Gran Malik. Gama, the great Katrina Malik. Cortez, Trey Baxter... Uh, Zaid Ramir, Jesse, is it Camilla? Camilla. B-Fab, uh, uh, Ani Lurkin, Frankie Monet, and Scarlett Bordeaux. So here's the thing. I can see some of these people getting released because they haven't really been featured on TV. Here are the names of people that I feel like they kind of gave up on. I feel like they gave up on Ember Moon. I feel like they did give up on Mia Yim. Um... They definitely, no one can argue they gave up on, on Karrion Cross. I mean, there's no. no doubt whatsoever. They screwed the pooch eight ways from Sunday with that guy. That guy had so much talent. He was so over. The combination of him and Scarlett was such a presentation when they were coming <laughs> to the ring. It was great. And then they decided to mess with him. They they put him in this dominatrix outfit. And, My buddy uh, tried getting his helmet off him. <laughs> He said nobody wants it, brother. <laughs> oh, that's your brain? That's even funnier. Yeah, IQ wrestler. Yeah, I know him. He's a buddy of mine. Um, but yeah, Ember Moon, Mia Yim, um, and, and obviously Keith Lee. I'm leaving Keith Lee out here too as well. Only Larkin and um, Ty of Valkyrie as well. Now, there's a lot of names in there that obviously got left out. And the reason behind that is... WWE is saying that when it comes to the women, they want the women to be younger. And when I say younger, they're going like 25 is going to be 
kind of the peak they're looking for at. And for men, it's going to be mid to late 20s, but they're wanting to go younger. However, here's the problem with that. These are some really good established stars right here, like Frankie Monet, a.k.a. Ty Valkyrie, came out on social media, and she was pretty upset, and she claims that she was lied to uh, on the recent uh, episode of Wrestling Observer Radio with Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. The biggest beef they had with this was that they lived in Southern California. They were told that when she signed her contract for NXT that everyone had to be in and around the Orlando area. So they moved across country to just do that. They signed the contract. She says she was told that she was going to get a push. Then it didn't really happen. And then they said, well, we're going to get it started. And then it never really happened. And it's like, how do you have somebody on the roster like Taya Valkyrie, who is ridiculously good, arguably one of the best women wrestlers out there. I have no problem saying that. I mean, she's over in AAA. She did a great job in Impact Wrestling. She's very, very talented. How can you not find something for her? Right. She feels like she was literally lied to. Do not have me sign a contract, move across the country, tell me all of these things that you plan on doing, and then all you do is cut me. And she felt like she was lied to. And I agree. That's what WWE does, is they lie to people. They will tell them anything. Yes, people can say the wrestling business is like that. But no, WWE does not give three you-know-whats about their talent. They, they will cut you in a heartbeat no matter what. Even if you're over, they'll still cut you. That blows um, my fucking mind, too. That just they makes just on TV. Why would you? That makes no logical sense. Um, you took take a look at Keith Lee. Keith Lee couldn't have been hotter, right? Obviously, he had some health issues. They bring him back. Keith Lee could have been that guy. He could have easily been that guy. And they dropped the ball completely with him. It wasn't a Keith Lee thing. It's a fact that they don't know what they're doing thing. Um, thoughts? They're doing something, right? They're making a bunch of money. But but Keith Lee, for example, what do we think about – here's the thing. They will succeed in spite of themselves, and it's just because they've been around. It's not because they're currently doing things that people are enjoying. But let me ask you this. Let me go to Anton first. Keith Lee, he was, he was the big guy that Vince liked, right? He could do all these things. However, he didn't like the way he dressed and didn't necessarily like the way he worked in NXT, which – didn't seem to be a problem in NXT, but he somehow believes that you can't do those things on the quote-unquote main roster, which to me doesn't make any logical sense at all. Willing to agree with that because at a certain point you have to evolve. You know, this isn't 96, 86, 06. You know, business is different. And for what it is, you know, Keith Lee, you know, I liked him, you know. In NXT, I enjoyed it. You know, I was like, "Yeah, fuck it, I fuck with it." So, and but you know, rumors and innuendo, speculation on all of it. But you know, we know he had some health issues, and did that you know make them think he was unreliable? Something that was completely out of his control. You know, that's kind of horseshit. And but yeah, it's I don't know. Think about how many people they've punished for getting themselves over. Look at fucking Zack Ryder. You know, Mac McDonough, <laughs> whatever the fuck you want. You know, prime example. You know, that whole internet title shit, you know, the Z Long, you know, Long Island story shit that he was doing, got himself fucking over, buried like a motherfucker. Don't, I don't get it. You know, if you're, they're not who you 
you know, they don't just let it uh, push organically happen anymore. They don't just let people get the fuck over. If you get over on your own, you get punished, and that's kind of redundant because isn't that the name of the game? Yeah, the end of the game is that you get over and that you make the company money. And when you're getting rid of people that make the company money, let's not forget this either. Roman Reigns took a substantial amount of time off for illnesses. Granted, his illnesses were different, but he still took time off for that. Still, the big issue with that, he still gets to come back. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of logic used. Two guys, both off TV for health reasons. One guy gets welcomed back with open arms. One guy is looked at as being the next big guy in the company, and he somehow gets cut because he's unreliable. It, 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 there's no logic used with these two scenarios. Favoritism. I mean, it, it's it, it. If it could be explained, I would love to hear it. Unfortunately, WWE never on their conference calls never explain these things. They just brush it under the rug. And no one really knows exactly why. Uh, Liam, did you like Keith Lee? Yeah, he's great. I mean, do you Uh, think that he should have gotten a chance to stick around to see what he could do? Yes. Um, But I've got a few things to say about this whole thing. I do agree that he should have stuck around. I do agree Karrion Cross had a lot of talent. Now, if you take things based on rumors, you know, that's the worst thing you can do because you're not hearing it from anybody official. Don't even entertain the idea. If you hear, oh, well, they've got to be 25 or 30 or whatever, wait till someone official says it. Don't don't go based on rumors. It's, it's not going to work out well because half the time they end up getting squashed anyways. The other thing is, um, when I'm hearing people going on about budget cuts, and they say, oh, it's the budget cuts and all that, you know what? They answer to shareholders. I I don't know why I have to keep saying this all the time. Nobody seems to understand when I say it. They, They answer to shareholders. If you have a bunch of people on the books, and I'm not... Trust me, I'm not saying anything about their logic here. Their logic is out the fucking window. We all know this, okay? That's not disputed, okay? I'm not not even going into that. But what I am saying is, if you're running a business, this is a purely business thing. If you're running a business and you answer to stockholders and you answer to shareholders and all that, you have to run it like a business. If you have all these people on the books that aren't doing jack shit, and I'm not saying all these people were, but at least some of them, right? And then you can say, we can get rid of them, save millions of dollars, and then the shareholders are going to end up buying more shares. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. That's just the way it is. It's business. So when people start complaining about that, they're acting on emotion. And I understand. I get it. However, when you have these people that sign with WWE, they know what their reputation is now. They know. And they should also understand that with that reputation, they have a 50-50 shot of making it. Of, like, really making it. Um, with 50-50. Taya Valkyrie. No, with, with Taya <clears throat> Valkyrie, though, she she had... I'm sure she had somewhat of an opportunity. I don't know what the hell happened. But if you're going into it knowing, like, okay, well, even Eric Bischoff, he, he, he moved out to Stanford, and he was gone within two or three months. Mm-hmm. 
moved everything just to go there, and then he was fired. You know, everybody knows what their that company is like. If they're willing to take the chance on it, take the chance, but don't complain about it after. Say, hey, I got a good opportunity. It raised my stock up because now you can say, hey, I'm a former WWE star when you're getting independent bookings or you're going to another company. It's it's all there's a lot of positives here, but nobody's seeing it. That's the problem. But the main the main point, though, is the business. It's a business. And if people don't understand that, then they they really aren't. They, they need to understand that before they're really trying to dissect this whole conversation. But their business could be so much better. I mean, because you had people that were so over and then all of a sudden, if you would just little left them the way they are, not repackage. Yeah, I'm I, not disagreeing with that. I don't understand why people get repackaged. If you are right. over, you don't need to be repackaged. You right. do not. If they would have left Keith Lee the way he was, they could have had a feud with Brock Lesnar that people would have eaten up and bought tickets for because he was believable that he could take him on. Keith Lee could have absolutely took taken on Big E. He could have been a championship contender. He could have been right. somebody really great. Just leave him alone and let him go to Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, uh, and, carrying that, and that's... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. Like I said before, I'm not disagreeing with any of the things you're saying about talent and how they messed up on so many people. They are shitting the bed constantly. We all know this, and that's there's nothing to be disputed on that. But when people start going based on rumors and based on not understanding the facts of business, then they're never going to understand this. I understand people get upset with this, and trust me. I love Keith Lee. I, I was expecting the world for him. And he just got, you know, his health went to shit. And that's not his fault. But when he comes back, it's like they may have got a little scared, you know? Well, can he actually do what everything we think? And he's not going to drop dead in the ring or something? Who knows? I don't know. But until we actually find out from people what the real story is, we can't just go based on rumors. It's not fair. Well, I mean, we're clearly seeing what NXT, what is it, 3.0, 2.0, whatever they're calling it now, is definitely completely different than what the original NXT really was. And it's turned into something that's not even recognizable to a lot of people who've watched NXT for years. So clearly there's there's something that they're going to be doing. Evidently, there has been mention, and we'll wait and see if it's true, but that there are other people that are on the chopping block, like a Johnny Gargano could potentially be gone. It, uh, uh, Tommaso Ciampa could potentially be gone. Um, Jesus Christ. In my opinion, the problem with the company is you have, in my opinion, you don't have anybody who knows how to gauge talent. There's nobody there. Bruce is not. Bruce never was. Bruce never was, in my opinion, a guy who could gauge talent really well. Right? Well, he was a, he was a production guy behind the scenes. That's what he did. Yeah, but that's okay. that's not that's not you're discounting all the history he had. He he went back to Houston wrestling with Paul Bosch, and he was working with Mid South and everything. He has he has a foot in the in what's going on. Like he understands what's going on. It may not be what to your liking is, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have a history of it. I'm not saying he doesn't have a history of it. I'm saying he's not, he's inept in being able to gauge what should be put on television. And I feel yeah, like you don't know what he's getting put on though. That's the thing. Like we don't we don't understand exactly what his decision is because a lot of times nine out of ten he makes a decision, Vince has to approve it. Everybody knows, and that's not oh a rumor. sure Vince controls everything, right? So he controls like, everything. Yeah, he's the conduit. So you can't just say, well, Bruce doesn't know what he's doing because who knows? Who knows what he tries to do and then doesn't get doesn't get approved? 
You know, I I thought it was very interesting when Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon took over NXT. The, the the reasoning behind that never absolutely made sense at all. It should have been left to Paul Levesque, one hundred percent. Leave it to him. It was thriving and doing well, and then they get their hands on it, and it goes to shit. I mean, yeah, but we don't know who. We don't know if he has any if if uh, Paul Levesque has any say over it right now. Nobody knows. That's the thing. This is this is why this is why there's there's a statement put out there that the Vince and Bruce are running it. How the fuck do we know? I don't know anything about it. I don't work there, and I I have no contacts that work there. So if I don't know anything about it, I'm not going to just assume because someone said it and it blew up everywhere that that's the truth. That, I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to be a dick, but that's. I, I can't. I have to have sources on this stuff, or else I'm not just going to believe it. Because a lot of times it turns out to be false. That's but it definitely, it definitely is much different than it was before. And if, yeah. and if the and if they are, and if they are going to a younger uh, audience or a younger uh, talent base, and it does get proven to be true at that point, yes, they're getting rid of people that are in their 30s, which doesn't make any sense. But if they're doing all these other things, then we do know where there's smoke, there's fire, and that these things are obviously true as well. Um. It's just tough. It's frustrating because, and no, I don't think any of us are trying to play armchair quarterback. Like we could run the company better, but we're saying though, if you have this type of experience and you are inept, I think that's the biggest word at making decisions. A lot of people still believe blue mean even said this. He believes that they are getting prepared to sell. That is why you make cuts. You cut, you cut, you cut, you go ahead and you get rid of your losses. I wouldn't surprise me if they did. Not always, though. They they hired a guy, yeah. that, so it doesn't totally make sense. Like, I I've heard the analogy. It's like, okay, their digital their digital department. Okay, if they had fifty people working in there and they had twenty people sitting there doing the work that one person could do, why not get rid of them? Why not try to save some money for the company? You know, it it makes mm-hmm. sense in that you, you have to look. A lot of people aren't looking deep enough on this. They're just saying, well. They they have lots of money, so blah blah. It's it's not that simple. It's it's about making money. It's not about like, okay, like the the best way I can put it is with all the good intentions that Tony Khan has had and keeping everybody on a payroll for AEW. Imagine how much more, more money he could have made if he got rid of that bloated roster. But and here's I'm not the thing. saying. We don't know how many people are actually under contract either. Right. Yeah. No. And I'm, how many people I'm are not, on salary? There's Correct. a lot of pay per, per appearance. Yeah, I'm not discounting that, but I'm saying, you know how many people, and, and, you know, whoever is all elite, right? There is so many people they, they don't necessarily need right now, and they can just have them on a per appearance or just work a, a short-term contract or something. And the fact that, and and I'll, trust me, he's not a, in a publicly traded company, so I can respect the fact that he's trying to do the right thing. He's a good guy. I know this. And he's trying to help everybody through that pandemic and everything and trying to keep everybody on on salary. And I get that. But he, you know, at the same time, you've got to think, like, how much more money could he have made to try to put invest back into the company with all these people he kept on? Sonny Kiss? What the hell is Sonny Kiss doing? Joey Janela? All those people. I'm not even trying to throw stones here. I'm just saying there's certain people. They're not doing anything there and they're getting a good salary. You know what I mean? But we don't even know what they are making if they are on a tier yeah. one, tier two. We have been told that, that right. AEW has that. I don't know if WWE actually has a tier one, tier two, tier three, uh, or on appearance type of base contract. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I, I do think, and I don't know exactly how many people are considered 
you know, full time on the roster um, and what their salaries are, but I guarantee they're probably not that high. That's just my take. I I would assume that people in AEW probably are not wealthy, wealthy, hundreds of thousands of dollars per person. Right. Well, I'm, not I'm just, that. you know, I just think it's, to get like Twitch and, and stuff like that and have other independent bookings with them at least. So that's something. The uh, I posted an interview that was done and I read it. Did I don't know if anybody else got a chance to read that about how they were saying an interview that was done that was saying the WWE really isn't a wrestling company. And I think we all know that they don't do wrestling. Why do we have this conversation? We fuck it. It's been the, it's been the same thing for fucking 20 years. Right. They're not a wrestling company. They're not WWE is not wrestling. wrestling, but what it is, is it's entertainment show. And I thought the interview was really, or the uh, interview was really good. I'm trying to pull this up here. Um, let's see. Where was this? Here we go. Uh, Sug D says an agent in WWE told him that WWE is no longer considered a wrestling company. Um, in a highlight from the interview that he gave to Fightful, he said that the agents say now we are an entertainment company. We just happen to have a ring in the middle of our presentation. So I That's don't how know. they got out of athletic fucking fees and shit by right. saying they're entertainment. So, That's I mean, going dating back to '95, though. Do we even call them wrestlers anymore at this point? They're because a wrestling right, company. I don't yeah, they're right wrestling. They are always going to be wrestling, but because they were able to manipulate it, they're able to get past all these fees that they're able that they would normally get charged. But because well, fuck, even Gaia did that with the athletic. Oh yeah, wrestlers are carnies, yeah. man. They'll do whatever yeah. to save a penny. <laughs> that uh, episode of South Park where it's a, you know, a play and it's physical Broadway and yes. but it's that episode of South Park where it's a giant play and they present Vince with a playbill and etc. And it's that it, it's literally a fucking play. That's, you know, some physicality fighting it, opera. As yeah, this it's one Bond Japanese deal. promotion used to call it. I just found it interesting that they actually had a WWE studios and they tried to make WWE films and how that tanked. How fucking terrible. They cannot make, they're not, a, they don't make movies when Vince chooses water. They don't make movies. A pay-per-view is not a movie. Um, but see no evil and all that stuff. I mean, the chaperone, no what, whatever it may be, okay. they're not, a, they're, they can never have the abilities to be a movie production company. Um, does WWE films even exist still? Does anybody I don't know? I think so. Hold on. If they are, they're on no high I don't think they do anymore. Hold on. I'm, I'm Wikipedia. Um, I don't know. I just, I just find it interesting that some of these guys will, and I hopefully these guys and gals will get a chance to be uh, highlighted and showcased in a good way. Because they will. Somewhere else. Yes. You know? where they deserve to get the recognition that they've earned so far. It's just a waste of fucking time. You so, know? Like, I don't think they did the page film. I think it they still in- exist, but it's like in correlation with some other shit, like the game show network and okay. Netflix and shit like that. So like it still exists, but not in the way that it once did. It's like yeah. a, a smaller offset department of, yeah, Okay. It was page a film was seven dollar studios, where the fuck? But it, of course, being it was WWE film, they, the put, rock, they yeah. tag that shit on there. Interesting. Like the other page films. <laughs> God damn it, Liam! 
I thought good. I was horny. Uh, I it wasn't necessarily, but yeah. So, so uh, WWE Studios was involved with the seven bucks and the fighting with my family paid shit. So they were involved. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Probably a name only. Because, like, right. wasn't there a few rock movies that his early movies, they always had executive yeah. producer Vince McMahon? Like, yeah. Because that'll get you a cup of coffee and $7, you know? I remember somebody always asked me, they said, well, what is the difference between, um, what does producing mean? Producing means that you financially funded or you somehow contributed to it. So that's how that producer yeah, credits come into play. It's all M O N E Y. Um, it's bullshit. That's what I say. It is. You um, know it's bullshit when a wrestler says it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, when the carney's calling bullshit, it's bullshit. Let yeah. me ask you. Let me ask you guys a question. Sometimes about <laughs> I could tell you a few stories from a carney. <laughs> what are your thoughts on? I found this to be very, very interesting. Bray Wyatt is obviously out in Los Angeles. And the reports are that he is working on trying to break into acting and kind of that rom zombie-ish genre. What do you think about that? Do you think he would do a good job in that type of uh, genre of film? Um, do you think it would work for him or do you think he should probably stick to wrestling? Uh, yeah. Go I to, we'll go to butt first. Hold on. Okay, we'll sorry. go to butt first. Why not? Give it a try. I think he's interested. Back on wrestling. He's got a. He's pulled off the, the creepy cult leader. Psycho, role, in wrestling with Bray Wyatt. Why not give it a try? I mean, it's a Rob Zombie movie, so you can't expect the greatest of acting in it. Well, no, the so, Rob Zombie genre. Oh well. So I, I horror so film. Great. Correct. Yeah. I think it could work for him. I think he has the type of, and he's very creative as well. He came up with a ton of that stuff when it came to the Wyatt family and whatnot. So I thought that was awesome. Um, let's go to Moondog. Moondog, what is your thoughts on, you know what? Let's let's throw our hat in that ring. Let's see what we can do. One of the things about wrestlers is you got to have hustle. You know? Right. So uh, you got to have outside projects. I'm a hairstylist during the day. That's what funds my wrestling addiction. Um. So, for Bray Wyatt to try to get into movies, fuck it. Yeah, I love, um, John Moxley told a story when he was filming, I think it was 12 Rounds. It was one of the movies, he was, it was one of the WWE movies he did. Um, he laughed because, like, uh, all the actors who are actors, actors, that's their day job, that's their job. Moxley's just a wrestler that happens to be acting right now. Um, he was laughing because it took him a couple takes, and then for jo and then for Mox, it was just like one take. You know, he's he's laughing. Goes, what the fuck? I don't even do this for a living. Why is this only taking me one take compared to these guys? <laughs> so, you know, you gotta have a side hustle. Um, my my head trainer Steve Boz, fucking uh, motivational trainer. Uh, he's a trainer. He hustles. He gets out there. He he asks us wrestlers, hey. You guys want to? You guys want to work out? I got an extra. I got this hour that's open. You, I'd love to. You know, that's our deal. Uh, it's all about your hustle. You know, have have side projects, have jobs. Yeah, wrestling is your life, but you can still have projects. You can still do jobs and shit like that. You know, there's nothing wrong with it at all. And I hope it's successful for him because he's got a cool fucking look. Uh, he scares children. I, I know that for a fact for my nephew. Um, so I think you can have fun with it if, if it's successful. And if it's not, it's it, it could be a chance to be a cult film. And I love cult films. So if 
Fuck it. Do it. I'm going to read something here. This is interesting. It says uh, this is uh, conducted by uh, Mark Middleton from Wrestling Inc. So it shows a picture of Bray Wyatt and his connections to Hollywood. It says, as noted last month, how Rotunda and, is it pronounced, Collison Studios owner, uh, who did the special effects and makeup, um, Jason Baker, uh, who were on the Warner Brothers lot. Evidently, they were working with uh, some horror movie people, and they were saying that they want to try to use uh, some of the concepts they created, the props from The Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse and the Wyatt family. Hmm. Evidently, they were the creators of a lot of the stuff that he ended up using on WWE TV, like the mask and all of that stuff. Well, yeah, Tom Savini. Yeah. Right. Um, so it was saying he is a phenomenal collaborator. He's become a really good friend, and we're actually um, about to start working together on a film at the end of the month. The film has not officially been announced the title yet. The plot details are being kept under wraps. Uh, Baker noted the feature film is really new and different and describes uh, Ichi, uh, killer meets Zandu. So. <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> whatever, whatever that is. So I think it could be interesting. I think it could be a lot of fun. I think Bray is one of those guys who could definitely do crossover well in a specific genre. He's never going to do like a Tom Hanks movie or a comedy, um, but that creepy, weird stuff, House of a Thousand Corpses, whatever, definitely could oh, be yeah. right up his alley. Let me ask you guys this question. Uh, did anybody get a chance to see the... Uh-oh, he's back. Uh, did anybody happen funny? to cat get a chance to see the Eddie Kingston um, CM Punk stuff that was happening right now? They're building a few... promo? Between. Hell yeah. That was awesome. If you, <laughs> Straight if, up headbutted that bitch. <laughs> if, if you have not seen that before, and that was on Dynamite, um, the two guys are going at it back and forth. Right now, AEW is setting up a program between CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston, in my opinion, is one of the best talkers right now. So here's my question to the panel. Who do you think is one of the most impassionate talkers right now today in wrestling that can absolutely put people in the building? I'm going to go with Anton first. Who do you right now could grab the mic and talk people in the building? So every time Kingston cuts a fucking promo... I sit there and laugh my ass off because I just I get it. So and also Moxley that uh, one promo he had about uh, I like my sex in the morning, I like my coffee. However, what like that whole promo? Yes, like, that was fucking great. That amused me. Like it fucking popped me, and I was like, damn, I kind of want to sample that for an intro for a song <laughs> because it was that fucking funny to me. And so the two of them do great. Uh, I like Callahan's weird shit. You know, kind of reminds me of like a modern Raven, you know, in so many ways. So that's cool. Uh, not, you know, I like Darby's weird shit just because it's weird and different. You know, I liked it more before the Sting shit, but it is, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Talking is a skill that uh, definitely is not something that everyone has. And even some people who used to have it eventually lose it. So it, you know. It is what it is, I guess. Uh, you know, Jake Roberts is still probably my favorite promo in the business, if we're being real honest. Oh, and Glock Anderson. Oh, jeez, Glock Anderson. Jeez, <laughs> Pete. Let's go ahead and let's throw it to Butt. But who right now in wrestling do you feel like can really talk people into a building? Um, Eddie Kingston. That, that's for sure. He's super underrated. Uh, MJF. Oh, yeah. 
Love MJF. Absolute scumbag. You just want to stab him in the neck <laughs> with a pencil. But he's fantastic. <laughs> no, he's just, he plays the perfect asshole. He's exactly what you want. You That's watch you him, it's just like, the rule of NLW radio never stops. Exactly what he has to do. Those, those would be my, the only two that really popped into my head, honestly. I like it. Came to mind. Uh, who do we got? Who do you think can talk people into the building right now in this in this era right now? Whether it's Raw, SmackDown, Impact, whoever, who grabs the mic and really commands attention? Liam Savage. Um, yeah, well, maybe if they ever gave me a contract. Thank you, Moon Dog. Appreciate that. Uh, I think I'm gonna agree with uh, Butt on uh, MJF because he's fucking stellar. Uh, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Um. Just for me, nobody really jumps out uh, besides, I think, uh, Kingston, as mentioned, because I, you know, I didn't get to see him on the independence, really. Uh, I started watching him on uh, NWA Power, and he was great on that, yes. and he really sucked me in. Yes. And, yeah. And um, the other thing is uh, Moxley's a very good promo. Not so good in the ring, I don't think, but he's a very good promo. And uh, if I'm really digging deep... I'd say he's still doing it since he's been doing it since the eighties is uh, Paul Heyman. Fair. That's fair enough. I like that. Yeah. ECW yeah. fan says I met MJF once uh, <laughs> and I told him I liked his match. He told me to buy his merch or leave. That's awesome. Uh, Travis oh, Boham man. jumps in and agrees. He says MJF as well. Uh, I love it. Uh, Travis Boham also says when it refers to Bray Wyatt and whether or not he's going to do some, uh, horror films, he says, eh, stick to wrestling. Yeah, fuck um, uh, <laughs> Mitchie Blaze jumps into the conversation and says, uh, Bray's an educated horror fan, old school stuff. It's going to be good. No, I, I agree with him. I think the Bray Wyatt stuff um, could be really, really good. He's working with the studio that created all of the props for The Fiend, the Firefly Funhouse, as we said before. So I think at this point, I, I don't see why not. I don't see any other wrestler who I think could make really good movies right now. I mean, who else is going to go out there and make a lot of good movies? There's only Moon ever dog. been one wrestler to make good movies. Which is? John Rock. Rock. Eh. Who else? No, 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 no. fucking terrible. Hulk Hogan. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've just never been a Rock guy. Maybe that's why. I'm not a Rock guy as far as his acting. San Andreas... Not so much. This latest Disney one. As as the other wrestling talent that have made movies go, Drock is leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. No, John Cena is the better one Cena out of all biting their, uh, John biting Cena is actually good at comedy. Yeah, He's, Especially he, Peacemaker. That show's going to be tits. Oh, my. <laughs> I agree with Travis. They live. Yes, they live. Very, yes. very good. I, I do think John Cena has... Makes better quality movies, I should say. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Batista, too. Batista I, makes good movies. Okay, if you want to talk yeah, about Batista, Batista versus The Rock, yeah. Batista's okay. right up there, too. He's involved in the Marvel world. You're forgetting yeah. two, two wrestling-related movie cameos. Which is? Terry Funk in Roadhouse and the mm -hmm. fucking Freebirds in, uh, what is it, the Highlander? Highlander, Highlander yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Never knew that. Yeah, my dad amazing. is always like, that's the fucking Freebirds! Yeah, the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Bad Street, Atlanta, GA! Ah! 
Love yeah. it. Uh, Moon oh, Takers in fucking something. What the fuck is Taker in? Suburban Takers Commando. in Suburban Commando. Yeah. yeah. Did I did, did with a little kid voice? <laughs> Moondog, did you give your take on who can talk people into the building? Oh, it's fine. You know, it's the usual like Kingston Punk. I like Brian. Brian's real. It's the same. I like Brian Danielson. It's the same way I like Bret Hart promos. He's real. You know. Yep. Yeah, they suck, but he's real. <laughs> you know who I think is really good on promos when they're just being natural and organic is Dustin Rhodes. Vicky Guerrero. Dustin Rhodes gives a really good heartfelt Dustin's promo. Fucking, yeah, he's good, and he teaches promo classes, I believe. He um, does he, when he, he works with the Rhodes Academy. He's good. I think Cody's good at promos. Yes. Um, think of how far that fucker's come. Like a lot. Two thousand nine, he was. He didn't know what to say. He had that lisp. Now he's just like, holy shit! Like speech class is a beautiful thing. Still has a lisp. Yeah. Well, yeah, but yeah, not as bad as it used to be. Away. And like. Antoine said, "Speech class." Um, I gotta say, that I got a sidebar, but that's a sidebar. I, do I you think any level? <laughs> do you think any level of the Rhodes Academy could work with Helen Keller uh, to be able to cut a, a somewhat understandable promo? What are you? What are you fixing on Helen Keller? Yeah, what is the Helen Keller? I just he's got I, a boner for Helen Keller. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Keller, oh daddy! Um, Ray, uh, daddy. ECW fans says Raven could talk people into the building. I would agree completely with that. Yeah. Raven can literally talk nonsense, and I'm like, yes, yeah. His the, podcast dude. is literally nonsense. You know what? If you want to go back to like old ECW stuff, like Steve Carino, yes, I agree. I agree. Carino, look up his Fred, look up the shit with Fred Durst from 2000. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. What even even just incredible until he hit his uh, tagline, he would be really good, and he'd get you really annoyed and everything. And and uh, Dreamer as well. Dreamer is fucking great because he was just passionate as fuck. That's he why was. I love him so much. Yeah. Shout out to Dreamer. He actually uh, messaged me during my shit, which that blew me fucking away. I'm like, what? <laughs> my dad was even yeah. like, wait a minute, he texted you? Like, apparently. Oh fuck. Yeah. So oh, Liam, he doesn't text anybody too. I'm just like, wow, that, that holy <laughs> shit. He, he didn't. He didn't get back to me when I asked him about um, doing a fundraiser thing. So hey, you're not Moondog. Indeed. I um, did tell him though. Um, I did text him back saying, "Hey man, I appreciate this. You, your match with Jack Swagger, 2008 ECW. That's what made me a wrestling fan." And he he, he left me. He left me on read. Uh, but it's true though. <laughs> That's what Jack got me into wrestling. Swagger. Him versus Jack Swagger. So the day I meet oh. Jake Hager, I'll tell him that story, which I think he's seen me. He's liked that tweet a few times, uh, me telling that story on Twitter. Uh, Jake Hager, anyway. Uh, I'll tell him that story. Like, hey, man, you're the reason oh I'm God. here. <laughs> um, oh, my God. This is incredible. Okay. So the last thing we're going to end on tonight is an excerpt from the John Moxley book that recently came out. Has anybody had a chance to order it or get their hands on the Moxley book yet? Forgot I'm about that. To. I'm gonna have to so, get that. Is it the part about him smoking crack? No, it's a part about the way he talks about Kevin Dunn. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, no. I've read this excerpt. Please read this. If I had gone in there and had been an asshole, why didn't they just say fuck you? Then you're being an asshole. No, let me go through the whole song and dance while being completely phony, pretending to accept my apology, pretending it was all good and we were friends. Then five minutes later, this little 
cunt rat goes right into the rest of the office and says, I didn't give a sufficient apology. And whatever the bullshit uh, he said about me, probably to my back nonetheless, this dickless motherfucker was a Ford. This dickless motherfucker. It was 48 hours later. And why didn't you just call me on the phone right away when it happened and say, fuck you. We're all mad at you for what you did. And you're fired. It would have been easy to understand. Instead, I got summons to a secret castle meeting at the magical King Wizard's house who lived in a truck and controlled the universe to beg for forgiveness. I need what, book. what are all these stupid little games? So, If I wasn't he, broke right now, I would buy this book. Someone someone buy a t-shirt so I could buy this book. <laughs> um, the reality in a place like WWE is that one comment, one little seed planted by a guy in Kevin Dunn's position can be extremely detrimental to someone's future there. There's a lot of power, and power breeds ego. Connecticut old rich boys. It's called the club ego. I've heard all kinds of stories about that guy uh, messing with people's careers, but it isn't that kind of book. Suffice to say, this dude is a fuckbag. Maybe this is the <laughs> kind of book. No, no, for real. Not even get me started. No, no, no. Not that kind of fucking Kevin Dunn. Oh, my God. I need this book. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. I want to read this motherfucker. It's real shit like this that's in Chris Jericho's book, too, where it's like, you could tell it's not some written in, it's not, oh, here's a, a ghostwriter here fucking phoning in and write a book so I can make money. No, this is legit word for word what he's probably saying. You know what the great part is? Is that, like, when you hear Jim Cornette tell all his stories say, about please, Kevin Dunn. Please go into courting. Yeah, he, he, he was, like, having some meeting with him, I guess some creative meeting. And he said he was going to reach over the table and, and kill him or something. You bucky teeth motherfucker. And he says, he says, you bucky beaver looking stupid motherfucker. And he like, you know, everybody had to hold him back because he was just like, you know. Yeah. What's even better is it was about the fucking Patriot. Yeah. <laughs> it was creative about the fucking Patriot, Del Wilkes, in 97. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to kill him <laughs> over the Patriot. Yep. <laughs> Who only had like three months there because he signed with a fucking bad collarbone or some shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Here we go. I gotta, I gotta play this. I have to play this. So everyone uh, here, just, just sit with me here for a second. Uh, I'm sitting here. Okay, hold on. In my couch. Here we go. Horny as fuck. Oh. <laughs> on Monday, July 21st, is where I about pulled Kevin Dunn over the fucking table in a production meeting, which I think we've told the story. But well, it, see, here's the thing. <laughs> The Patriot had just started, right? Yep. I don't even think he was on house shows. He wasn't on that house show. Because he's fucking hurt. So the point is, we've just got this guy, and he's just starting to get over. But the Bullshit. Hearts Foundation group didn't like him. He didn't have any political allies, because for some reason or other, the Hearts, Davey, uh, Davey or Owen, whoever, didn't want to work with him. I don't remember why. But at the same time, nobody... In, Sean Michaels's group, his faction, gave a shit about Dell. Dell was just coming to do his job and try to get over as a talent. So in this country, it was great. Boo, Sean, my, uh, you know, cheer for Sean Michaels and boo Bret Hart in this country and in Canada, vice versa. Cheer for Bret Hart, boo Sean Michaels. But I said, this guy's only been around for a week or two. We, we were at the production meeting in Halifax. I said, why do we want him to come out and get 
booed out of the building, even in Canada, and have the Hart Foundation do this shit to him where he doesn't get any rebuttal, he doesn't get any comeback. He's booed by the fans. You're going to have him beat up. I can't remember what the specific details were. Somewhere or another, Patriot is just going to go out and get shit on that night by everybody. Now, they've booked Raw in Halifax, Nova Scotia. For those of you who have been to Halifax, A, it's an hour even ahead of Eastern time. B, if you didn't go to fish or hunt, you're fucked. And also, you can't get there. They flew us in on Saturday morning because a Saturday night stay ticket was was cheap. Otherwise, it was $2,000 a piece. I'm like, you found this out after you fucking booked it? So we all had to go to Halifax fucking Nova Scotia on Saturday morning for a Monday night live television show. So as the Sunday night uh, production meeting comes... I've already been sitting in this hotel for a day and a fucking half after a flight to Nova Scotia. Got to be there for another day just for one fucking television show. <clears throat> so we're discussing this. And there's Kevin Dunn and there's Jim Ross. And there's Bruce Pritchard and there's me and there's Vince McMahon and there's whoever else is in the room. I mean, I'm sure Russo's there. Yes. And I said, guys, I don't understand why we're doing this, you know, in this way to the Patriot. He's going to get shit on. He's going to get beat. He's not looking good. Why the fuck are we burying this new top baby face? And then they start going to the Sable T-shirt spot, and it keeps. And I keep bringing it back because I just want somebody, a, to resolve this, and b, give me one good reason why we have to bury the fucking guy. So they keep changing yes. fucking topics to the T-shirt spot or Sable or whatever the fuck. And so finally, I said, "Well, I'm still wondering about the Patriot." And Kevin Dunn goes, "You know, Jim, I find you tiresome." I looked at him, I said, you know what I'm tired of, motherfucker? I'm tired of them Bucky Beaver fucking teeth of yours. And I stand up and I say, and I'm going to pull you across this goddamn table, beat the fuck out of you, which, folks, I'm not Ken Shamrock. I'm not Randy the Natural Couture, but I can whip Kevin Dunn, especially in those days, because I was younger and had better knees. And I, as that happens... Everybody starts laughing. The old as like the guy's going to stand up and say something, and it's a joke, right? And everybody starts laughing except for Jim Ross, who knew that I was really about to grab Kevin Dunn and pull him over the gut because I just snapped. I just snapped. I was fucking done. And Jared's like, "No, no, no!" I said, "No, fuck this fucking shit." When you guys want to talk about some fucking wrestling, come get me. I'll be in my fucking room. And I left and goddamn went up to my fucking room and sat there for another fucking week or another day. Seemed like a week before the goddamn show. And I got out of production meetings with Kevin Dunn for three weeks because he didn't want to be in the same room with me. And then it came to Jim from Vince McMahon. You've got to apologize to Kevin Dunn. He's a very important member of the team here. His father once saved the fucking TV tapes from his burning car trunk or whatever. So Kevin's got a job for life. So Kevin Dunn comes over to Vince's house and we sit just the two of us. Vince leaves us alone in Vince's dining room. And as I'm First and only time I have ever apologized to anybody when I didn't mean it. Uh, but at the same time, goddamn this fucking guy he treated me like I was a guy that ran the Ferris wheel at the county fair. Ever since <laughs> I'd fucking been there, the, the wrestling thing and the southern thing and the northern thing. And I was about fed up with this motherfucker. But... <laughs> Vince demanded it. Vince wanted me to. I work here, so I'm going to apologize to the guy. The fucking guy starts crying. But you don't understand the kids in school. I was always teased about my t and he started tears. I swear oh, to God on my mother's grave. Kevin Dunn cried while I was apologizing to him about knocking his Bucky Beaver fucking teeth. Everybody <laughs> talks about behind his back. And he was crying because the kids used to tease him in school. And he, he was, how can I be mad at the guy? He's crying at me. 
But at the same time, motherfucker, especially now, since you make two or three million dollars a year since the stock scam, get your fucking teeth fixed. All right? Sorry. I digress. Oh, fuck. I digress. The stock scam. Wow. So that's. that's... And you wonder why I love this guy. Oh, he's an amazing shit. storyteller. Incredible. I just don't want to hear him talk about oh. current wrestling. Hold on, I got I got something else. Can I can I play <laughs> one more clip? Let's let's recover from that and talk Stop. about it a little first. Jesus Christ. Right, so lots of stuff. Let's uh, briefly cover 1997. Lots of uh, stuff yeah. happening oh, in the WWF in 1997. The rise of Steve Austin, the turn of Bret Hart, the Hart Foundation. Uh, the problems behind the scenes with Sean and Brett, the screw job, uh, lots and lots and lots of stuff going on. Real quick, Corny would have been, in my head, a huge proponent of the push of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Fair to say? Yeah, fair to say. Uh, Everybody was. I feel like he'd have loved the anti-American Brett Hart as well. Uh, not as much as he loved the all-American Patriot. That's what I want to talk about. So there's this famous clip out there of a Jim Cornette shoot where he talks about um, a situation, we'll say, with Kevin Dunn. Can you catch everybody up on this oh Patriot-Kevin Dunn conversation? You were there. People have heard for years Cornette's version. What's Bruce Pritchard's version? Okay. Well, it starts out, it was during a time that the company was – uh, having some challenging financial times. So we were trying to save money any way that we could. One of the ways to save money, especially when you're going into Nova Scotia, is if you fly on a Saturday and you stay over on a Saturday night, your trip, which would normally, like, for example, to go in and do Raw, and if you went in on a Sunday night and came back on a Tuesday, the trip may be $1,000. However, if you go in on a Saturday, you keep that Saturday night stay over, your trip may be $200 because of the Saturday night stay. Wealthy company, by the way. So it was decided that everyone going to TV would have to go into Nova Scotia on a Saturday afternoon, spend Saturday night there and Sunday, and then do... Uh, raw on Monday night, do the TV after the fact to save money. And you say, well, you got a hotel, you got all that other shit, all that other shit. It was still cheaper doing that than going out on a Sunday night. And so everybody had to do it. So now everybody's got to leave home two days early to go to Nova Scotia. You ever been to Nova Scotia? I don't plan to go anytime soon. Well, it's beautiful in the summer, but, um, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> to add insult to injury, we get into Nova Scotia, and Vince wants to have a production meeting. So what else are you going to do? You know, I mean, hey, you're, you're in Nova Scotia. You got to leave home early. Well, let's work. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a meeting about having a meeting. And we're sitting in this uh, meeting room. Let me catch everybody up here. This is probably happening in July of 1997. Sounds about right. Uh, there was a couple of dates there, July 20th in Sydney, Nova Scotia, uh, and then the next day in Halifax, Nova Scotia. 
Uh, that was July 20th and 21st, 1997. Sorry about that. Keep yeah, going. and I think we were at Halifax. I think we, we based ourselves out of Halifax. I don't really remember exactly. Matt but um, we were in a meeting, and it was the, the usual suspects in this age of meeting because everybody had to be there early. And Cornette goes on talking, and at some point... Uh, KD might have said something along the lines of, uh, you know, Jim, you're just tiresome. Which, I guess, went up Corny's ass sideways with red hot poker. And Corny <laughs> uh, immediately shot back. Let me tell you some, you bugs, bunny looking motherfucker. And the whole room just kind of goes silent. Because. <laughs> You know, it just was a personal attack. And granted, you know, KD probably started it with, with his comment about, well, Jim, you're tiresome, you know, and, and, and they just, they hated each other. Man, every chance that Cornette uh, had to dig Kevin, he did. Every chance that Kevin had to make a comment about Southerners and you're just too Southern and that Southern uh comments and they just drove each other absolutely nuts so with the bugs bunny comment cornet stands up and i remember me and jerry briscoe having to uh escort cornet out of the room and just go come on jimmy let's go and and it wasn't it wasn't like anybody was going across the table with anybody it just was uncomfortable unnecessary and just kind of fucked up. But here's the fucked up part. Cornette gets sent to his room, okay? Well, now this motherfucker doesn't have to go to any more of the meetings. He gets to go to his room and relax and chill out and have room service and watch TV. We're still stuck in the meetings. And we, we, we break up that meeting and we go to lunch. And one of the funniest fucking things, man, Jim Ross, me, Jerry Briscoe, and Vince all sit down at a table. <laughs> Vince looks at JR says, God damn, JR, you got a problem on your hands <laughs> Cornette. And JR's like, What the fuck? <laughs> why don't you know why don't you have a goddamn problem? But it was absolutely hilarious because it was, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, it was kind of funny being there. And wow. So we can confirm the, the beaver tooth thing. Uh, maybe we should do more uh, flashback clips from uh, other podcasts just to kind of mix them into our conversations as well. So I think the, the Kevin Dunn thing is, is always going to be enjoyable. It's always going to be something that people are going to be fond of just because of the way it's portrayed by Jim Cornette. I just hope you'd mix in actual like FRM clips with that, like actual like Mikey <laughs> or Jerry stories, because I, I I think about them all the fucking time, especially the Ron Simmons one, Dang. and that's like episode two or three. <laughs> Don't look at that Rosenthal to you. <laughs> Rosenthal's were on that flight in Haymans. <laughs> There's like three Haymans, three Haymans, four Rosenthal. <laughs> Oh, was it Jericho and his book said he was he was he was uh, a Chris Benoit or some shit? Sorry, or some shit, or something like that. It's just, 
whatever it took to keep costs down. Okay. Yep. Bereavement. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this with, was before 9 so you could fucking do that. <laughs> with that being said, let's go ahead and round the horn here, and uh, everybody go ahead and give their information. If people want to follow them, stay in contact with them. Continue these wrestling conversations. We'll start off with the ass man, who's obviously going to be very popular. He is uh, on the relaunch. Is it 3.0 of uh, the Cult of Beardo? It is 3.0. 3.0. Uh, yeah. Thursday night, uh, 8 o'clock. Come tune in. Uh, Rit, Renegade, myself, and a new co-host will be, will be joining us as well. Do we have any idea who this may be? It's me. It's not you. Damn it. <laughs> it's not you. Trying to get your though. It's a what? Set up the ring. No, it's a it's a it's a lady. It was a beard. No, shut up. (laughs) She doesn't have a beard. You're irritating me. She doesn't have a beard. Tune in Thursday, 8 p.m. Cult the Beardo. Uh, We'll be talking about the recent, not just the recent, but all the WWE cuts that have been this year. And yeah, Liam's about to have a stroke, I guess. <laughs> Finally. Oh, oh shit. Focus, focus. All right, Holy let's. Uh, yeah, how focus, can people... focus. It's time for Moondog to shut up. Focus. How old are you? Drugs, leave me alone. You got an bystander. I just talk a lot. Let's. Uh, so, what's your what's your Twitter handle? How can people follow uh, you? At gotnoof two two nine one on Twitter. Give Perfect. Awesome. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Anton. Anton, uh, how can people follow you if they'd like to continue this conversation? <laughs> nice MJF scarf, by the way. Oh, shit. It's not even a scarf. It's a fucking flannel, dude. <laughs> 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 I a tattoo appointment earlier, so I can't fucking argue fucking in the fucking rest of my fucking flannel. Oh. I got the door open and shit because I was smoking because the roommate's home. So, uh, oh. whatever. Yeah, so I was amazed that I wasn't late. So shading in two weeks on this bitch. So that's nice. But uh, Anton Heidnick on Twitter, A N T O N H Y D E N I C K. I feel rotten. P H I L Phil on Instagram. Both of those at Gmail. Holler at me. Sounds good. Moondog, go ahead and give us all the information how people can follow you. What's going on Uh-oh. with you? Uh, matches, ma- upcoming matches, this, that, whatever you want to call it. Give us the deets. This is a toothbrush from Inpatient. Anyway, um, fucking uh, the 19th, November the 19th, uh, CSW in Chicago, Franklin Park, Illinois, please. Uh, CSW is the place to be for, especially for Chicago Indies. It's definitely the, it's definitely top tier. So the fact that I'm able to wrestle on pre-shows for that is a miracle. Uh, I, I appreciate just being in a battle royal and fucking around. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I already got an idea of what I want to do for next one because there's a there's a fan anyway. I know someone's gonna steal if they hear it. Um, <clears throat> other than that, um, nothing official. Just shit I've I've volunteered for to like work to like build rings and shit, and then in hopes to get on future cards. Which uh, it's worked so far. I'm two for two on that shit. Nice. Um, it just sucks that uh, I had to miss uh, Galley Lucha. Shout out to them. Um, I had to miss them for the second time uh, in a row, which I, which thankfully the promoter, such a cool fucking guy, he understands. Um, other than that, I'll be back to work on the fifteenth. I'll be wrestling the nineteenth. I'll be practicing on the eighteenth. Wrestling the nineteenth. Moon Dog's back. It's going back to normal slowly but surely. So back follow me on Twitter. Again. 
Follow me on Twitter at MoondogMurray. Please buy my t-shirts. Help uh, help offset the uh, two-week costs that I've uh, built up here. I got that title over there behind me for collateral for something later. Uh, don't, but uh, other than that... Uh, Is that NWA? Yeah. Yes. 10 pounds. That's it. Nice. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Liam. Uh, <laughs> Liam, give us all the information. Fuck. I'm still going over the fact that uh, Moondog assumed the Anton role of annoyance there. Fuck um, off! <clears throat> so, uh, Savage Liam on Twitter. Um, look up Savage Liam on YouTube. I'm uploading clips constantly now. Um... Right in the middle of uh, the McDonald's training videos, which is just fucking super shit. Um, <laughs> it is. It's great. Some of it's fucking amazing. You'd love oh, it. Um, and uh, also, we are doing, uh, like Rit was saying earlier, we are trying to get to 100 subscribers, everybody. So I think what we might do is give away a prize. And I can't 100% confirm this because Bert's not here because he's sleeping. What a fucking pussy. Anyways, <laughs> and we're going to figure he's out. Eats. Well, yeah, me too. And <laughs> then we'll we'll figure out at 100 subscribers what the prize is going to be. And it might be the 100 subscribers. So if everybody can get on board with that, look up Front Row Material on uh, YouTube. And uh, once we get to that 100... Maybe a prize going out to one lucky subscriber. So uh, that would let's, be awesome. Uh, get that moving. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Good, um, guys. It has been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. Uh, look for this Friday. We've got a great episode of Future Stars. Now um, it's going to be great. I can tell you that right now. It's a lot of fun. That's going to be really, really cool. I'd like to thank our guests tonight. Obviously, please go ahead, and if you missed any of what we did, please check it on the replay, which will be on demand as soon as this show ends. Also, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> what? I didn't know what that was for a hot second. I was like, what? Um, go ahead are you, and support. Are you advertising, Liam? Is that what you're advertising? He's there? advertising his delicious throat. Go mm-hmm. ahead and support all the guys uh, on the panel. Also support our guests as well. We're going to be posting more information going to about that. School. Sorry. You're like Britt Baker, DMD. For yep. Anton, for the S-Man, for Liam, and for Moondog, and for uh, my co-host who's probably in bed already because he is so, so sleepy tired. I am Mike Freel. Is there anything else anybody wants to say before? What? Yes. Is, is there anything else anyone else wants to say before uh, we say goodbye? No. One of you yes. said you are what you eat, so which one of you is the asshole? Me. Good night. Oh, God. <laughs> end this, please. Fuck you and end this. We'll see you next week. <laughs> The show is not ending. (laughs) I hit the button. It's not fucking ending. The show will do no jobs. (laughs) It's not ending. (laughs) Have a good night, gentlemen. Once more. I'm going to bed. Hold on. I gotta get this. This is this is I don't know what's happening to our stream here. Let's try this. Your computer or something. (laughs) 
Unplug. Here we go. See you next week. <laughs> Do I disappear for a second or what? What happens? I t- it just it well, goes we're, for we're a second going. and then it goes back. <laughs> this is I have no I've never seen this happen before. Shit. It's harpies, Freeland. You gave your computer harpies. It keeps. Coming. <laughs> <laughs> it was so close that time too. Oh, what happens? Why does everything go? What happens to the screen? It goes into it, and then it's fucking. Then it comes back. <laughs> right as it's about to end, it comes back. Do you hear it? Yes. Yeah. It okay. says mute is mic. Or mute is mic'd. Mike is muted too. But mute does the logo show up and all yes. that? Yes. Okay, it let's try it again. It Here we go. See you next week. Groundhog Day, hosted by Moondog Murray, Liam Savage, Anton, and Huge Cock, Mike Freeland.